Hi, everybody, and welcome to Mecha Dragon, a podcast about all the geeky and nerdy stuff you love. Brought to you by Captain Geek and the Dark Nerd. I'm your Captain Will. And I'm your nerd, Jess. Today, we're coming back to our sort of series on pitches, but this time, we are pitching a Marvel Star Wars crossover, which is, I think, going to be really fun. Uh, and we are privileged to have with us returning guest and friend of the show, Megan Salinas. Welcome back, Megan. Hey, guys. How's it going? It is going pretty good. What horror movie are we talking about today? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny you should mention that. No. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, it could, who knows what these pitches are going to turn into. <laughs> so you who may knows? get your wish. But, Yay! you know, just just a quick bit of context here is the reason we're doing a Star Wars Marvel crossover pitch is I was trying to think of uh, a theme for... It's because you guys are huge dorks. Well, I mean, there's always that underlying that's not, everything. That's not inaccurate. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, more to the point, like last year we did a Star Wars theme all throughout the holiday season. We did like a lot of Star Wars episodes. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what could the theme be this year? You know, because that was kind of fun to do that. And um, more Star we've Wars. already well, we've already been deep into Star Wars with our Mandalorian coverage. And and because uh, we've been doing, uh, you know, an episode on every episode of the Mandalorian. But also we've actually been doing like a live commentary on each episode that we're going to release uh, to uh, I think we're going to start up like a Patreon or something. But uh, so it's been fun doing a lot of Star Wars. And originally, and we do have plans. Uh, I heard some rumblings and some whisperings about we might possibly be going further and deeper into the lore of Star <sighs> Wars next year. So, and by that you mean you're wait? Are you talking about the holiday special? Well, there's obviously that everyone's looking forward to. But uh, right. yeah, we're doing. Happy uh, Day, I, I lost. <laughs> yeah, well, I lost a bet, and uh, about the Mandalorian, and so now we're doing a live commentary on the Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh. Do we want to discuss that bet here? I mean, we... I bet. I'm so curious. I think we talked about it during our commentary, but I don't know if we covered it on. Our, yeah, I'll, uh... I'll just mention it right here. I mean, basically, when we were doing our Mandalorian coverage. And when Bo-Katan meant, spoiler alert, spoiler alert for the Mandalorian, uh, when Bo-Katan mentioned Ahsoka Tano and we knew for sure that, you know, she was going to end up in an episode, I said, oh, well, maybe uh, when we see her, there will be some Ewoks because she's helping them resettle from Endor because they described her as being on a forest planet. And so with the, the skimpiest of, of evidence, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I predicted we might see some Ewoks and I was totally, utterly, completely and totally wrong. Hey, about who that. knows? Who knows what we're going to see next week? I guess yeah, everybody's yeah. just leaving the 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 Ewoks to extinction on end. I mean, there has from... to be an Ewok Sith Lord out there somewhere. There has now to. there is. <laughs> <laughs> now there is after the uh, the Jedi caused the uh, their forest moon to be destroyed by raining Death Star debris for the next yeah. thousand years. Uh, but anyway, so I was wrong about that. And so Jesse's condition was that we would have to do a commentary on the Star Wars holiday special and that I would have I'm to put myself through it again. So sorry. If I <laughs> if I lost, I think this was on November 18th or something. If I lost, I would have to watch every single episode of The Clone Wars and Rebels by the first of the year. And 
Okay, you know, the, the time... It's a good thing time, I won. It's a good thing the, I won that bet. The time limit makes that a little bit difficult, but, um, I, I mean, you would have gotten the much, much, much better side of that deal. <laughs> Clone Wars True. troubles are great. What's What are you yeah. complaining about except for the, the time investment? Well, the thing, well, too, is I've never... He's just happy seen. whenever I squirm, so... Yeah. <laughs> But Basically, we decided the best thing to do with the Star Wars Holiday Special is to do it as a commentary to be released on our Patreon. So we have yeah. one guest uh, lined up already. Well, no, I think we're going to release the the Star Wars uh, Holiday Special commentary like as a bonus episode for everybody. Okay, we can do well, it. But that'll at least let everybody gentlemen. Know. God yeah, yeah. May the force <laughs> be <you>. with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think she is uninviting herself from the guest list for that one. <laughs> wow, it's like everybody who hears about it does that. I wonder yeah. why. I got to take uh, my cat to get her nails done that day. Super busy. So. <laughs> yeah. Washing my hair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. Actually, we brought it up and we had on uh, Mike from Boston Harbor Horror. I think you met him in another episode, Megan. I did. We were we talked about the Babadook together. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And he and he was on talking about Mandalorian with us. And this came up and he goes, yeah, I've, I've got duty that weekend. <laughs> and I actually brought up, I was like, I love how Mike did the equivalent, the Coast Guard equivalent of I have to wash my hair that night. Yeah. So that's and, I, and I said, you said duty. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm so sorry, guys. I don't know what day it is, but I, I <laughs> thoroughly booked that day. I, I have very I have plans to just stare vacantly at the wall in my apartment, and I, I can't. <laughs> I can't change. Let's that. all let's all say it on the count of three. 2021 is going to be our year, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, on that happy note, uh, with my doom squarely ahead of me, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I am going to move us uh, onward and upward out of this gutter that we find ourselves in right now. So, welcome. Let us talk about Star Wars and Marvel crossing over. So I asked everybody. I think I originally brought this up to everybody here uh, quite a few weeks ago. So we've had some time to think about it. Now, I have to admit that personally, it took me a while to think of how this could possibly work, because I do think that, you know, you have to have some type of human level emotional story there or else like all the flashy, you know, crossover stuff in the world really isn't going to make anybody care about the, you know, the movie or the TV show or whatever it is, you know. So I I did stumble onto an idea several days ago where I started with uh, the characters and kind of moved out from there. But but we're going to get into it. So the format this time is I'm going to I think I'm going to go more like sort of around uh, the table, as it were. And we can kind of then comment on everybody's, you know, answers kind of as we go through it. So but I want to start with I'll I'll start with Megan here. Uh, Can you tell us what your favorite Star Wars film is or show and your favorite uh, Marvel MCU movie or even Marvel show and, and then why and that'll kind of we'll each answer this and it'll give us everybody an idea of kind of where we stand going into it. Uh, for favorite Star Wars movie, um, it, I don't think it's the best Star Wars movie, but my favorite will always be Return of the Jedi. 
uh, mm. because that's actually the first one I ever saw when I was a kid. Uh, um, my parents showed them to me all out of order. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw the third one, then the first one, then Empire, then the prequels. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, my parents showed them to me all out of order. But Return of the Jedi being the first Star Wars film I ever saw will always have a special place in my heart um, and will always be my favorite, even though most fans consider it the weakest entry of the original trilogy. And I do agree with a lot of that critique. I, I do agree with a lot of that criticism, but I don't I don't care. It's my favorite. <laughs> um, my favorite Star Wars show will, uh, at the moment, is Star Wars rebels which is the animated show uh it wrapped up a couple years ago uh it's about four seasons long it's about this kid named ezra bridger who is force sensitive and he gets picked up by uh this misfit band of uh rebels including uh, a man named kanan who was a jedi apprentice but never finished his training and so Ultimately, you know, they become a family and Kanan has to figure out the best way how to train this young up, you know, this young kid who could be on the path of becoming a Jedi. And he has to figure out how to train him, even though he himself never finished his training. So mm-hmm. um, I really like that show. It has a bunch of great characters in it. It's written, you know, uh, Dave Filoni was the showrunner. And if you're familiar with The Mandalorian, like uh, there's the what now? Like, <laughs> exactly it's the basically the the same guy who's doing the mandalorian did this animated show um and he did it after working on clone wars so it is my favorite star wars show uh for marvel mcu stuff i think my two favorites again i don't necessarily think these are the the best quote unquote mm-hmm. i i think you can make an argument for for uh, any number of entries in the MCU as being the best Marvel shows. But I think it's a tie for me between Civil War and Winter Soldier. I just, mm. I, I love those ones. I, I think Winter Soldier is excellent, not only just as a spy movie, but I think thematically it's one of the richest entries in the MCU and it's got great characters and it's got tropes I really like and it's just a very well put together film and civil war i think um at the time of its release it was the most fun i had watching an mcu movie because and and i i went with a big group of friends and so it was just it was all around a really fun theatrical experience so those are my favorites even though it, i'm sure now that 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 particular era of MCU film is complete. I'm sure there are plenty of people who uh, would point out Infinity War or Endgame as their favorites. Right, right. The good choices, though. Good picks. Um, Thank you. Okay. Jess, what are your favorite Star Wars? Uh, what's your favorite Star Wars film or show and your favorite uh, Marvel uh, movie or show? And why? Um, a lot of my answers as far as, you know, what I'm looking forward to and what I like are kind of the same uh, when it comes to both Star Wars and uh, the MCU because I chose for Star Wars. I picked Rogue One as just my favorite movie because it just felt unique and it, it's all around a good movie. And I, the more I am inundated by Skywalkers, the more 
I, my rash starts itching, you know? So I want, I want a little less, you know, skywalkers. I want to move away because if you're in a, a huge galaxy, you know, that's endless, I'd like to branch out and meet more new characters and get some new storylines and go more into the lore, uh, like was covered in like rebels or clone wars. And, uh, mm-hmm. That's what Yet I you're like. You're so resistant to watching them. I'm not. It's it's not resistant. <laughs> it's you know I'm a single father and you know I'm really busy. But, uh, <laughs> Time investment. I hear you. I, I've been resistant to shows that I know I will love too because it's like I don't I don't have the time. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, yeah. I get Fair it. Enough. Yes, Fair I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know I got two cats, and two kids, and a turtle, and tons of fish. And oh boy, <laughs> takes takes a lot of my day right there. But uh, Rogue One was a lot of fun. And as far as shows, obviously, I'm going to go with Mandalorian because it is such an awesome show. How they mix like the the Western, uh, and you always bring up the samurai influence, and it is such a cool blend of those genres. And it's done very fantastic. Genres, really, yeah, yeah, it's done fantastic, and. While I have no idea where the story is going right now, um, <laughs> we'll see what's going to happen in about a week. But uh, that's my choices for uh, Star Wars for the MCU. Iron Man, the original first Iron Man, is one of my all-time favorites. I think that's just a great movie. And again, I was into comics since you know the early '90s, and um, Never really got into Iron Man, you know, never cared about Iron Man. And then you see Tony Stark up on TV by played by Robert Downey Jr., who's a wizard. And uh, he just really fleshed out that character and made it something interesting. And Iron Man remains one of my favorite um, Avengers overall. I think he's cool and I love the character. And another movie I really liked was Doctor Strange for a lot of the same reasons. Um, I love the actor. I love the character and I love learning more about new heroes and villains that I never really got into. So, okay. So Iron Man and Dr. Strange. Interesting, interesting picks. Um, you know, for me, it's really tough for me to pick just one favorite, but I really, and I don't like, I hate that it sounds cliche that I say this, but empire strikes back for me is like, it's probably, it's gotta be my favorite star Wars movie. I just, I love Yoda. Mm -hmm. I was so enthralled by Yoda and his sort of like training stuff where he talks about like the spiritual side of the force. And like, I just, you know, that movie has such a, um, it's, it's almost like it's like a more mature tone or it's just, there's just something about the quality of it that, takes it to the next level after a new hope and and i just i just really love that movie it's just so exciting and you get yoda and you get space battles and you get you know all this stuff so uh, you know maybe runner-up would be a new hope because that was you know the original it was Mm -hmm. groundbreaking it was so amazing in so many ways i'm very much into like you know the mythic structure you know that's that's behind star wars and stuff so Um, I really love those. And, you know, I I loved Luke Skywalker growing up and, you know, his adventures. And I never like really read any of the books and stuff in the extended universe or whatever they call it. uh, Legends now. But uh, but yeah, those are probably my favorite, too. I mean, I I love 
a lot of, I mean, I love Rogue One. I love Return of the Jedi. I love a lot yeah. of the movies. It's but so hard to pick a favorite. It really yeah. is. Favorite show? Probably The Mandalorian, but I really like The Clone Wars. Like, I was also resistant to watching it for years. My friends were telling me how good it was. And I was like, eh, you know, I had actually seen the um, the animated like movie that they made that kind of starts the Clone Wars or that, oh, that's like, not a good before the first. That's ironically, not a good introduction. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I had seen it in the movie theater when it first came out because I was like, oh, new Star Wars thing animated. What's going on? What's going on? And I was a little underwhelmed by it, frankly. So I, I held out until last December or whatever when I first got Disney Plus and I just I basically binged all the way through it. And man, that is a good. That so a good you didn't show. watch it till just last year. Yeah. In fact, the final season wasn't released until last year. Oh, the end of last year, I think. Yeah. So because you because you were dissing me like, oh, yeah, I've known this for for decades. Where have you been? man? I've never been Come like on, that. Get on the Get on the boat with us now. I'm just uh, trying to help you avoid my mistakes. <laughs> Jess, I just want you to avoid my also, mistakes. Also, like, hmm, what that was does that take good time, but I don't know. I, I have <laughs> I have many. I have many accents and none are good. Yeah. Well, uh, well, maybe one of your other identities will pop through mm-hmm. this time. Let's hope. Um, so in terms of Marvel and the MCU, like, again, hard for me to pick. I, I don't I'm not one of the people that thinks every single MCU film is gold. You know, I really I really don't. Uh, Thor Dark World. <coughs> for example. Yeah. Um, but I do love Guardians of the Galaxy. The first one. Mm hmm. That movie was so fresh and so surprising and just it just gave me this the most wonderful feeling. I uh, I also would really, you say really that love... you're hooked on a feeling? Oh, but I'm ching. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I also really loved uh, Winter Soldier. Yes. That's, uh, in my top three, for sure. The other ones that I'll mention, because these this kind of like my top five, because I honestly don't know how to rank them. But uh, the first Avengers movie, I thought was really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it really opened the door to, you know, the the deluge of superhero movies that we ended up getting <clears throat> uh, for good or for ill. And th- I, I also really love Thor Ragnarok and uh, Avengers Endgame. Um, and normally I wouldn't even mention Endgame because it's just so different from all the other movies in that it is such a conclusion, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but uh, I, I wanted to mention it in this context because it is, in a sense, a crossover itself of like every single, yeah. you know, MCU thing that's ever happened. So uh, I thought I would just mention that. I think it was about two hours too short, though. <laughs> yeah. Could have yeah, added a lot more. I'm sure. <laughs> so, so Megan, what does a good Star Wars movie or show absolutely need to do to work? I mean, maybe, maybe this sounds a little reductive, but at the end of the day, I think you just need to tell a good story and focus on compelling characters. Um, the mm-hmm. world in which you know, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, that world is rich and vast. And it doesn't necessarily need to be bound to a particular genre. Like it, like we were introduced to it in a blend of genres. We were introduced to it as a fantasy story in a sci-fi setting. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So it doesn't need to be bound to like – and as you guys pointed out, The Mandalorian itself is this space western slash samurai story. And as as we were talking about when Jess brought up Rogue One, we don't need to necessarily focus on the legacy of one family or – even necessarily need to focus on characters who have a special connection with the force. I think a good star Wars story just needs to kind of like adhere to the rules of the, you know, the world that has been built and just tell a good compelling story within that framework. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's, uh, I think it's a really important point that you mentioned, you know, that it's a really good, uh, that you need a really good like human story and it doesn't even you know matter if you include canon characters or anything like that at the end of the day you just need a good story uh, that that respects the rules of the setting exactly I, exactly I definitely agree with that yeah um jess what what's your what does a star wars movie or show absolutely need to do for you okay uh my answers to these ones are both kind of similar for both star wars and mcu um, because like Megan just mentioned, we're going off of source material, which is literally endless. You know, you can go in any direction you have by this point, thousands of different characters and storylines to choose from. Just, you know, pick something new. Um, like I mentioned before, I'm, I've had enough Skywalkers for a while. Let's not let's not worry about them. Let's get into more of what's going on behind the scenes. Let's go to a completely different planet, different part of the galaxy. Let's see some new aliens. Um, but I think as long as the storytelling is good, and I would assume like the Force is, you know, kind of prevalent throughout. Uh, the entire galaxy, I think there's a lot more. I think that does go along with respecting the rules of the setting because the Force right. is obviously a major yeah. know, presence in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. And maybe maybe it works completely different over here than it does over there. So there's you know a lot of different ways to really get into that. But even like, like Rogue One, that's a movie that doesn't really focus a lot on force users and stuff like that. And you still have an action packed, Mm -hmm. you know, great story with new characters and it's kind of almost behind the scenes and they kind of made it a movie that falls in between two other movies. And that's fun too, where you see, Mm -hmm. you know, things from a different angle without having to see the same stuff just rehashed over. Okay. For me, you know, in terms of Star Wars, I think it needs to be I guess it doesn't it it doesn't it's not that it has to be a space fantasy because obviously, you know, the the Mandalorian is essentially a western and like a samurai film like rolled into, you know, a space, you know, like a pulp space show. But I think that you need the 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 space element there as kind of a backdrop for like whatever sub genre you're doing. But I think space fantasy works really well in star Wars. And I think that there's always some type of embodiment of evil that you're working against. You know, I was going to say a clash of good versus evil, uh, which is very mythic and, you know, and heavy with metaphor, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, you know, knights on shining horses, you know, Jedi versus Sith, you know, it can be, 
it can be a band of rebels versus an empire or it can be, you know what I mean? You don't have to have like a paragon of truth and justice as like the good guy necessarily to have a good guy. Like look at Rogue One, like Cassian in that movie talked about how they've all had to do like nasty things, you know, since they've been in this fight and yada, yada. But clearly they're up against something that is truly evil. Right. So I think that there's a needs to be like a truly evil presence uh, in the traditional Star Wars type of storytelling we're used to. And uh, I think it needs to follow the rules of the of the world uh, of the setting, uh, basically, like Megan said. So so, Megan, what does a good Star Wars movie absolutely need to avoid? Prequel dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, George Lucas, not dialogue writer. Check. Uh, Yeah, that love story stuff was pretty cringy. Like uh, Jar Jar Banks. (laughs) yeah i mean mostly that stuff not to say that everything in the original trilogy or the sequel trilogy not not to say that both of those don't have their problems but like because they definitely do but uh, i mean i i think the the main problem with the prequel stuff is that there was just nobody around to tell George Lucas no. <laughs> you know, one of the things that made the um, original trilogy so good is how collaborative it was. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, yeah. I think the problem with the prequels was just that, yes, it was George Lucas's vision. And yes, there's a lot of good stuff in there. But like, without that collaborative spirit that the original trilogy was made with, um, what we got was lacking. So I think the main thing that <laughs> a good Star Wars story needs to avoid is I think it needs a, a couple extra, you know, passes through with the script. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> yeah. Punch up that dialogue here and there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. Cause like, if you read the, if you just read the prequel trilogy as an outline, like it seems like a great story. Um, at least in my opinion, mm-hmm. but once once you get down to the way it was executed, at least in, in the first two movies, especially, I think that it was I think you're right, Megan, like it, there was just it wasn't as collaborative, maybe, or, yeah, no, there, uh, you know, a- there were less limitations imposed and therefore I think limitations can be really good for creativity and, you know, finding same, solutions. For same here. Same here. I mean, like I've said it a million times, horror movies are my favorite genre and a lot of times horror movies and horror movie creators are like they have like a ton of limitations that they have to work with and the creative solutions that they come up with um make for some fantastic films but that uh, that's a discussion for another day uh yes yes indeed but uh yeah i (laughs) and i don't want to rag on the prequels too much because there's there's nothing i can say that hasn't been said a million times in a million different ways and in much more mean-spirited ways too but i do think that there's there's a lot of good stuff in the prequels like like you said there are a lot of good ideas the performances for the most part are really great and when they the performances are lacking that's probably because of bad direction and because they don't have much to work with on on the script um but yeah i i think the main thing uh, I'll, i'll boil this down to the main thing that a star wars movie needs to avoid is a bad script I'll, I'll I'll put it that way. 
Okay, sure. Yeah, okay. All right. I can get on board with that. Uh, Jess, what do you think a good Star Wars movie absolutely needs to avoid? I bet you're not going to be able to guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, kind of. The answer may surprise yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's obviously like I get the whole Skywalker thing, but the fact that there was the whole thing with the most recent trilogy, the sequel trilogy, and how I they brought back Palpatine. And, of course, you know, the idea was tossed around about Rey being a, a Skywalker and this and that. And she's not technically, but she kind of is. It's just like there's like I said, there's too much source material to be stuck on the same train track. You know what I'm saying? They need to kind of flesh it out a bit more and go somewhere with the new story. So hopefully they're done with the Skywalkers for a while and with the new shows that are being rumored to be coming out, and especially like Mandalorian, nary a Skywalker to be seen. It's one of my favorite shows. Um, and I think, you know, they really just need to push the boundaries and try some new material. And it's like, you know, with uh, the MCU, you know, with the Guardians of the Galaxy, those movies are hilarious. Thor Ragnarok, hilarious. You don't have a hilarious Star Wars movie. I think they can, (laughs) you know, they can branch out and kind of do a little more, you know, genre bending in the future and really change, you know, kind of flesh out the whole feel of Star Wars because all the Star Wars movies all kind of feel like the same type of medium paced action movie, good versus evil. I think we are about to get a lot more variety because, um, you know, they just announced like nine new star Wars shows. Right. So that's going to be really interesting. Uh, and we'll, we'll cover that in a, in a future episode. Yeah. But that but, that's uh, just what it is. They need to use what they have at hand and not be afraid to push boundaries and try out a new direction. Yeah. Okay. Like it. Now for me, uh, I was trying to think of like how to boil it all down to what like the most fundamental thing would be that you can't get wrong, you know, in a, in a star Wars movie. So I think, and I've been kind of trying to like think of a, uh, a way to put together like a video essay on this actually. But I think that actually a big reason the sequel trilogy didn't do so well, <clears throat> let's just say is that, uh, it got the mythic, structure underpinning everything all wrong Mm -hmm. it was kind of a confused mess in that regard and so i think that whether you're making a space western or a space fantasy or you know a space like i don't know military show like maybe rangers of the new republic is going to be you have to get the mythic structure right that's underpinning everything and that's not to say that you can't do all these different like subgenres or whatever, but you just need to make sure that thematically it, it's it's coherent with, you know, the, the rest of uh, the rest of Star Wars. That, that's, so that's yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of like what Megan was talking about earlier, how the original Star Wars trilogy, um, you know, was such a collaboration. And as you can see with Mandalorian, it's you got your two showrunners, basically. Favreau and Filoni are where they're guiding most of the stuff, but you have different directors and it feels like in the sequel trilogy of star Wars, 
the movies aren't collaborating with each other themselves, you know, yeah, because the, the, <laughs> the difference, the, the switching hands of the directors, it's like, you know, we, we are introduced to Snoke and I was like, Ooh, what's going on here? And then in the next movie, he's on screen for three minutes and gets cut in half. And it's like, um, that was a, a waste, you know, so I think they needed it, to kind yeah. of follow the same story. They kind of jumped back and forth too much in that. Last yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree. This is, again, a big conversation for another time. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, so- <laughs> we cannot we cannot get into a discussion about Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. Oh, it will, we will just be at, spiral. We will be at each other's throats <laughs> in a matter of seconds. <laughs> so, yeah, like I was saying. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so okay. So, on that note, so Megan, what does a good Marvel MCU movie or show absolutely need to do? I, uh, kind of the my my answer is actually the same as it was for Star Wars. You know, you have to have tell a good story, good compelling characters that adheres to the to the rules uh, as you said of the setting. But with the, with both Star Wars and the MCU, uh, as Jess was alluding to, the you know the great thing about comic book stories is just in general their wide variety of characters and Marvel in particular. There's usually something for fans of every single genre, and like if you think that like oh this one superhero isn't my cup of tea, well chances are there's another superhero that exists within that same world that is your cup of tea that that you really can identify with and marvel and dc have such long you know rich histories you know that they have characters that have existed since the the 40s the 50s and the 60s like they have long histories and so You've basically there are some of the these characters that have been around for so long. You've told almost every single story that you can tell with those characters. So uh, again, the main the, the possibilities are endless, and that's what I think is cool about both the MCU and Star Wars settings is that like as long as you can tell a good story with a compelling character, you know those particular worlds are your oyster. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, totally agree with that. Jess, what does a good Marvel MCU movie or show absolutely need to do? Honestly, I say keep it up because they do have um, such a wide variety of characters already, especially with, you know, the 22 movies that culminated in Endgame. That was, what, 15 almost years of just... You know, Thor, another character I never cared about. I always thought Thor was a a dork in the comic books. Never cared for Thor. And then, like you mentioned, uh, Thor the Dark World. Still don't care about Thor. But it wasn't until Guardians of the Galaxy when they changed his whole character. You know, and then he became less the gruff Thor and more the funny Thor. But I think... You mean Ragnarok? Was it Ragnarok where they changed him? Probably. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't in any Guardians of the Galaxy movies, so I assume that's what you mean. Probably. It felt probably like a I mean. Guardians. It, yeah. it felt more it like did. a Guardians. It movie. did. It did. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, when when he was 
around the Guardians. That's when he was being more jokey and stuff too. But uh, I think they've really been nailing it because there there are, like I said, the Guardian movies are hilarious. And then you have some of the other movies like Black Panther, not really funny, but it's a great action film. And you do have kind of the different genres and stuff going on there. And I think they've been nailing it with the writing because there is that collaboration. A lot of the stories do overlap and it is more, you know, world building overall for the MCU. so much collaboration in the MCU. Yeah. I mean, so, so I much. think yeah. I think they're really nailing it and just keep that spirit moving forward in the next uh, phase. And I don't think they can go wrong. Yeah. I, I agree with both of you. For me, you know, I think Megan, you put it as something like they, they just have to tell like really good stories with real human emotion. And I wrote it as like emotional realism, because even though the MCU has these really wild and crazy things going on with space magic and, you know, Iron Man suits and stuff at the end of the day, all those movies have a, a level of emotional realism and stories that are compelling enough, you know, about, you know, real human uh, problems that it, it draws you in and it makes you care about these characters who, you know, in some cases are really have really ridiculous like elements about them. Right. So hmm. I think that I think that you you have to have that emotional realism with a very human story, like sort of to ground whatever all the crazy stuff happening is. I think that you have to have some humor in it. You know, even the most dire MCU movies have have humor here and there. Right. You know, so. um so I think that's an essential ingredient. I do really like how the MCU takes genres that are not traditionally superhero genres and they'll just like put a superhero in it. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's like a fundamental aspect of a good MCU movie, but it's something that they all they always seem to be doing. And yeah, so that's that's my take on what it needs to do. But what does a good Marvel MCU movie or show absolutely need to avoid, Megan? Well, here's the thing. Even the quote-unquote bad MCU movies aren't really terrible films. Uh, but when the MCU is at its worst, it feels like you're watching filler. I mean, we talked about Thor The Dark World, and I think a lot of... A lot of people would agree that Age of Ultron is probably the weakest, like, Avengers film. Like, it, it feels like you're watching filler. And this is something that isn't just a problem with the MCU, uh, but a lot of the MCU's imitators, people who were scrambling to try to catch up to what the MCU had done. Just like, a <laughs> yeah. yeah, excuse me. It, it should get like, that a, checked out, bro. Uh, a, a good film should always try to avoid feeling like it's focusing more on setting up things for later films than it is on telling its own story. Like the focus should always be on telling the story of the movie you're currently watching now, not coming attractions, Right. you know, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. like it also, and this is maybe looking at the MCU moving forward, it shouldn't be afraid to break the mold a little bit. Like, um, I love the MCU. I think it's fantastic, but it has become a little formulaic as, yeah. as movies went on and as we're telling 
origin story after origin story after origin story. There's nothing wrong with an origin story, but after a while, you know, you're like, oh, it's just another origin story. So mm-hmm. it shouldn't be afraid to break the mold. And I, I think a lot of filmmakers had a lot of problems with that too. Like one of the reasons why Edgar Wright left the Ant-Man films was because like he couldn't get his vision across because it conflicted with the, we, we talked about how um, every MCU film had to be cohesive and that required a lot of collaboration. Well, the, the double-edged sword of that is that it can potentially stifle filmmaker creativity. And right. ultimately that's why Edgar Wright left that project. And it yeah. it's one of those things where looking forward ahead to like the future of the MCU, I get a little worried for Sam Raimi directing the next Doctor Strange movie because that is a stylistic director <laughs> who I adore. Um, and it it makes me worried about how his style is probably going to be forced to conform to the style of the MCU. And I'm like, I don't know if that's going to be a good time for him or not. Um, So looking forward to the future, I think MCU films moving forward shouldn't be afraid to break out of sort of that cookie cutter formula moving forward but who knows i have no idea what the next phase of the mcu is going to bring so we'll see yeah okay good answer uh, jess what does a good marvel mcu movie or show absolutely need to avoid well i mean i was born in 1978 if you can believe that i sound so young but uh you know since then uh, i've been raised on you know like superhero movies and the whole Star Wars thing. And how many times have I seen a new Spider-Man? And I know this isn't MCU, but <laughs> every couple but, of years. <laughs> yeah. How many, how many different Batmans have we seen? Even Wonder Woman. It's like the Hulk. You get these characters that are just rehashed over and over and over in cartoons and movies and shows. And it's almost like for the longest time, it felt like they were afraid to try something new. And that's why they keep rebooting the same character over and over. I mean, I could probably be knocked half unconscious getting waterboarded and still blubber out the origin story of Peter Parker. You know, we all know it. You know, it's time to move on and drop the old characters. And that's what I hope we see in the the next phase is really some new characters because you know, there's tons of great stories buried out there in the comic books and stuff. They just need to be realized. I'm detecting I, a theme yeah. from you today. Well, that's you're what like, you're like Kylo Ren kill the past. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Watch out dad. Um, <laughs> no offense, dad, if you're listening, but, uh, <laughs> You know, it's like Megan said, it's like it feels like it's just a filler movie that the only thing that really comes out of it is these two characters in the MCU have strengthened their friendship. And it's a two hour commercial for what movie's coming up next, yeah. you know, so I think uh, in the case of the MCU, they kind of got sucked into, you know, a loss of momentum about midway through, 
But then when by the time Endgame came out, they kind of solidified and coalesced into that humongous project. But yeah, as long as moving forward, they just keep doing something new and don't don't lose that collaborative energy. Okay, okay, good. Uh, You know, for me, I thought uh, what an MCU movie or show absolutely needs to avoid is like kind of like what you said, Megan, um, these like like getting too formulaic with just tired origin stories and and, you know, and structure. And and frankly, I'm really tired of the two dimensional or one dimensional villains, Hmm. you know, like the newest guy who will scream into the ether that he wants to dominate or destroy the universe like. Like, I don't think some of their later villains were like that. Like, Thanos was obviously great. Um, Killmonger. Had, um, yeah. Killmonger was the one I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, such a even, great villain. Even Hela. I, I I think she had, like, even if she is, her, her motives were, were kind of two-dimensional. I think the personality that she brought um, kind of made up for that. Yeah. I found her to be real interesting because... You know, Kate Blanchett is always amazing, and she brought something really cool to that role. But I think what what made that villain for me more a lot more compelling, uh, in addition to that, was the fact that she sort of pulled back the veil on this, you know, on this forgotten history of Asgard, and you know how they came to the prominent role in the galaxy that they have, and that was through like a lot of blood and a lot of like stealing people's gold and resources and stuff that like you know it was kind of a, an acknowledgement of the sins of the asgardian empire in a way and so i thought that was an interesting part of her character yeah i agree that was cool yeah yeah so but i think you know that if they can avoid these like boring you know like one-dimensional villains that that goes a long way you know about something they need to avoid because you know, even though I love Guardians of the Galaxy so much, you know, Ronan was not <laughs> a very dimensional right. villain. And that was fine, I guess. But I think the movie would have been better if they had found a way to make him, uh, you know, a little more three-dimensional. It's, it's funny that you say that because, like, in Captain Marvel, I was really happy to see him, even though he didn't do anything. I was like, oh, hey, it's that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the guy yeah. who did the thing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe that gives him an extra, like, half layer of the onion or something. But, yeah, it was pretty cool. And I love um, Lee Pace. Who who uh, yes, him? He's yes. he's really good. He's excellent, and he deserves more screen time. <laughs> yeah, I would love it if he gets a chance to come back at some point if they are back in time again. But uh, yeah, it was funny speaking to him real quick. That was really the only movie I knew Lee Pace from. You know, as his, his stint as Ronan, <laughs> and I wasn't really familiar he was in with Lord it. of the Rings, dude. Well, yeah, that's the thing that he was in Lord of the Rings. Well, was Lord of the Rings the or the Hobbit, Hobbit? Right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, in the yeah. Hobbit. Sorry, sorry. And we're watching it and, you know, he comes up on screen and, you know, the character's just been introduced. It's the first time you see him. And 30 seconds later, my wife's like, oh, that's Ronan. I was like, <laughs> what? how do you know? Wait a second. Why do you know that? So, you know, I, I didn't recognize him at all because, you know, I saw him blue with bleeding black eyes and a hood. And she's like, that's that dude. I know who that is. It's like, what's going on here? But yeah, I didn't know anything about him. 
He's great. You know, he's actually in a really uh, good, he's in a really cool show, um, Halt and Catch Fire, uh, which you can watch on Netflix uh, that I would recommend. Uh, it's kind of a drama that takes place during the dawn of the personal computing age. And he's ah. like this sale, like this technology salesman type guy who gets involved with a, a woman who's uh, who's kind of a, a computer genius uh, who is played by, God, I can't remember her name, but she was the uh, the good person from the future in the new Terminator movie. I can't remember her name. Uh, but anyways, moving on, let's get into our pitches, shall we? I, I think it's time. Please. So, all right, let's start. We're going to start with uh, everybody giving their elevator pitch. And if you haven't heard that term before or you haven't heard, you know, our other pitch episodes where we talk about it, it's just a term that means a description of a movie that's brief enough that you can deliver it between floors on an elevator, which is the only chance many people in Hollywood get to pitch their stuff, right? So it's just a way of pitching your idea really briefly with all the uh, essential information. So I, I'm really curious now what Megan's pitch is going to be. So let's start with Megan. What's your elevator pitch, Megan? All right, here we go. <sighs> Special Agent Phil Coulson, the leader of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., prides himself on his in-depth knowledge of Earth's mightiest heroes. But when he and his team find themselves transported through time to a galaxy far, far away, they'll have to <laughs> team up with an intergalactic band of misfits in order to save the galaxy and find a way back home. For this is the way. Ooh, excellent. Okay, so... Who are this? Who are these misfits that they team up? Uh, it would be the cast of The Mandalorian. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, that okay. That's fascinating. So specifically, uh, which uh, agents of Shield uh, would be making this trip? Uh, hold on. I uh, I wrote them down. <laughs> okay, okay. Coulson, Mac, Yo Yo, Simmons, Melinda, Daisy, Hunter, Enoch, and Souza. Okay. Oh, and Enoch too. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> uh, and okay. uh, the the cast of the Mandalorian. I'm thinking specifically Mondo, the child, uh, Cara Dune, Grief Karga, Fennec Shand, Bo Katan, and Ahsoka. Ooh, very nice. No and, Boba uh, Fett in there. Nice window. I I I think with Fennec in there, we can have Boba Fett as well. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, well, that's the inclusion of Fennec made me think, like, maybe. Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. But that is real interesting to me. I wonder, uh, w would they have their, uh, what's their ship called in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, are you um, talking about the bus, or are you talking the bus. about- I was going to say, I, the bus has been gone for some time. <laughs> oh, that's uh, true. Okay, all right. No, but that's- uh, Okay, so this is obviously the cast of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. crossing over with the cast of The Mandalorian. Yes, And yes, that yes. sounds real interesting. So and I don't think I should have to say another word. Money now, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, love it. So to be clear, um, which, which time, I guess, can you just clarify what time period this would take place in in both uh, universes? Okay, at the time of this recording, we we like the the penultimate episode of The Mandalorian's season 2 uh just aired like 2 days ago. Um 
and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has obviously concluded. What I was thinking is that this would be during season six of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which explains the presence of Sousa and the absence of Fitz. And uh, it would be the current events of The Mandalorian. I would say probably, I, I don't know how season two is going to wrap up, but I'll I'll just go ahead and kind of like offhandedly say that like, let's just say all the stuff for season two gets wrapped up, um, mm. but no one dies. <laughs> okay, <laughs> out, of, okay. out, of fear, out of fear that that might like throw off my plans for this film. Let's just go ahead and say that like everything gets resolved for season two of the Mandalorian, but nobody died. Okay. Okay. Wow. Cause, cause like thinking about it, like talk about assembling a team to help save the baby Yoda from Moff Gideon, right? Exactly. Like suddenly, <laughs> suddenly agents of shield on your side or, you know, presumably <laughs> that, that would be cool. Okay. Um, so, uh, like I said, we're going to kind of go around in like a, a roundtable fashion so we can kind of talk about all these ideas as we go through. So, Jess, do you have any uh, comments on that pitch uh, before we get to yours? Uh, well, you've seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? I have seen pictures of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am I'm familiar with Agent uh, Philip Coulson. And uh, I saw when he died in that one movie and then didn't had died. And he was spoilers. Yes. <laughs> um, was that the one that Iron Man died? Can't remember. Anyway, spoilers. Um, no, I'm, that's another thing. I'm not up to date on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. OK, I will say that that show gets better like every season. Yeah. And that's just another one. It's like there's it's I blame um all the marketing and advertising companies and all the directors and all the networks and stuff because there's just been an influx of fantastic shows from all angles and stuff and that's just another one that i just and you're like really i don't know. have time i don't have time don't yeah. Have, yeah yeah we're in a new golden age of television it's really yeah. um, but it's really I, awful and awesome at the same time yeah and i will say that while i hadn't watched agents of shield i wasn't just watching football okay i was <laughs> doing other dorky stuff you were doing research for this podcast that's yes exactly yes, yes clearly takes takes so, up but all what my would time. you say though because you are familiar with phil colson yeah. So how do you how do you feel about the the opportunity to see like Phil Coulson, you know, standing side by side with, you know, Mando and uh... team death, team death? <laughs> I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, he was such a lovable character in the movies, and I'm sure they really fleshed out his his character a lot more in the show, which I'm not real familiar with. So I don't have a real idea of who he is now. But I mean, he was just a, a fun guy. And I think. He, he would be a good kind of counterpoint to, I mean, him and Mando seem to both be like by the book sort of, you know, black and white sort of guys. They don't really seem yeah, being to raised have, by a religious cult will do that to you. Yeah, they don't seem to have a lot of, <laughs> you know, variance in how they approach certain situations. So it would be kind of interesting to see them uh, 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 tackle the challenges before them. I feel like they would actually those two would have some really interesting, fun conversations because, you know, Phil Coulson kind of has this like dry wit. Yeah, they're both, you know, to matter of fact. Yeah. Whereas Mando, you know, he I I think he does have a sense of humor, but it's even drier if that's possible. You could imagine Phil like cracking some joke and like looking over and it's just sense of humor is his helmeted face. He's like, well, 
you know, uh, an aspect of Phil Coulson's character that I think gets overlooked quite a bit um, because, you know, there's so much, usually so much high stakes stuff going on. But like at his core, Phil Coulson is a fanboy. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he's just yeah. really excited to be like doing all these cool things. Like he, at the end of the day, he loves his job, even when it's really hard. And that was one of the great things about season six when they started going through time um, and seeing like the history of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like he was yeah. having the time of his life. <laughs> and so, yeah. like, Getting to like do all this different kind of space exploration and getting to hang out with like a space gunslinger for him would be like really cool. It He'd be would, like, "This is it, great." We, now, <laughs> could you imagine his his uh, reaction to like seeing a lightsaber? Like, "Ooh, laser sword! That's Ooh. awesome! I gotta get me <laughs> yeah. one of those." <laughs> yeah, when you when you said the word fanboy, this image just popped into my head because. It's like, I think we can all agree that in the world of Star Wars, there's no such thing as the MCU. It's not like, you know, Yoda and Vader after a long day are going home and sitting down and, you know, reading comic books and catching up on Disney+. Plus. However, in the MCU, it's entirely (laughs) reasonable to think that Star Wars does exist in the media format. So having Philip Coulson... Uh, transferred into the actual Star Wars universe gives it a whole different Bill and Ted feel. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Because he is a fanboy. Oh, look, a lightsaber. Dude, you know, whoa. (laughs) That would be hilarious. Canonically, Star Wars does exist within the world of the MCU uh, because Peter Parker makes reference to it in. Uh, oh yeah, like, God, that's right. Yeah. Um, because he's like, "Hey guys, do you remember that really old movie, The Empire?" <laughs> yeah, Strikes yeah, Back? that's right. <laughs> so Star Wars does in fact exist. Yeah, yeah. it's true because yeah. when his uh, his uh, chubby friend is in his room and he sneaks in and. He's oh, they're building cool the Death Star. Star. Yeah. yeah, he's got the Lego Death Star there. That Ned's oh, the best. Lord. Yeah. So, so how do you think? Do you think there would be Megan uh, some sort of? See, this is one of, I kind of skipped over a question about like special challenges and stuff. But like, do you see this as something that would be difficult to handle? In that the characters from Agents of Shield would, you know, at least most of them probably have at least heard of Star Wars, right? Is that something that? I mean, do you like do you think it'd be problematic to handle or how would you handle it? I guess Uh, I mean, that is uh, that is potentially a problem. But I mean, we've dealt with issues of the multiverse before in um, in within the MCU. And one of the interesting things about sort of isekai stories or or stories where you get transported into a fictional world without it like without you getting like sucked into the TV or or sucked into a book or, <laughs> yeah. or something along <laughs> right, those lines. Right, right. Um or in a like there is there is this idea in fiction of like there being a world out there and like our our world being able to kind of like tap into it and so like create like 
because everything's connected through the multiverse of being like, oh, I was inspired to create this fantasy story. But in reality, it's because you had some sort of connection to, um, you know, you just got a, a peek into another world that actually does exist. So in my mind, the, the way we make this connection is that like through the multiverse, um, you know, George Lucas and the creators of Star Wars really just kind of got a peek into the the world of a galaxy far, far away without realizing that they were looking into another world and that that's where all their inspiration came from. Yeah. And at the end of the day, they're not like teaming up with Luke Skywalker either, you know, so uh, it's not like, you know, they're going back to those iconic movies. They're dealing with some more. I mean, I don't want to say tertiary characters, but like in terms of when you think about Star Wars, you know, who knows if they're even watching The Mandalorian? Uh, well, again, <laughs> they <that's>, had time. <laughs> that's one of the things that I I like about allowing these characters to interact. As much as I love hanging out with all the superheroes and things like that, whenever I see stories about superheroes and about these larger-than-life characters, I do always wonder what do like normal people have to deal with. Before the show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. came out, I was like, you know, what do the lower operative level guys at shield like what do they have to deal with yeah, you know, on a day-to-day yeah. -day basis and that's what agents of shield kind of tapped into and that's kind of what mm -hmm. the mandalorian taps into as well it's like yeah. what yeah. It, it taps into that rogue one aspect of like what are normal people having to do to get by in this world where there are space wizards and evil yeah. empires I, I love it when they bring the the focus down to like the street level like that, you know, in these worlds where all these crazy things happens. Like that's why I love uh that show Powerless. I don't know if you've seen that. But I it's not, but about that awesome. Yeah, it's uh are you aware of what it is though? It's basically in the DC comics universe, and it's like this subsidiary of uh Wayne Industries, you know, that Bruce Wayne owns, and they make it's like an R and D department where they develop things to help people from like the collateral damage of like superhero supervillain fights. Honestly, that sounds like it's absolutely 100% my jam. <laughs> it is awesome. They only had one season, but it was, I mean, it was basically like a, like a comedy, but, but with like some like superhero elements and things. And it's, you should check it out. It's yeah, I, curious. I freaking love that stuff. Yeah. And it's got uh Danny Pudi from community and oh, what's the lead actress's name? Uh, she's the she's the Filipino girl, Vanessa something. I can't remember. But anyways, uh, back to Star Wars uh, Marvel. Jess, what is your elevator pitch for your Marvel Star Wars crossover? OK. So we've all seen Infinity Game, Infinity Game. Infinity Game and War. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see you've lost the Infinity Game. It is now time for the End War. That's no. actually, I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> It'd definitely be a spoof. Anyway, uh, when Thanos snaps his finger in Infinity War, we see both hero and villain alike crumble to ash and seemingly disappear from existence those who survive have been left in a world of chaos confusion and loss after five years our heroes do reunite or unite to reverse the actions of thanos restoring our missing heroes but where did everyone go after the snap what happened for those five years oh, God. 
We find some of our missing heroes, Star-Lord, Rocket, Groot, and Drax, basically the Guardians of the Galaxy, as they appear upon an unknown planet, all memories of what had transpired prior erased from their minds. During their travels, they come upon an advanced spacefaring alien civilization, and they are greeted by a creature named Chancellor Lavener Villasham. From him, they learn they Very are on a specific name. Yes. From him, they learn they are on a planet called Ratio in the Hosnian system. The Chancellor informs them of a large scale war going on between two factions known as the New Republic and the First Order. During their adventures, assisting Villasham, they... Already sounds better than the sequel trilogy, by the way. (laughs) Yes. During their (laughs) adventures, assisting Villasham, they meet another band of wandering strangers in this new land. Their friends, Doctor Strange, Vision, Loki, and Heimdall. Uh, Doctor Strange declares shenanigans and hijinks ensue. Interesting. So what Star Wars? Ca- so these would be all new Star Wars characters to continue with your. Basically, yeah, it takes place um, in the year 34 ABY, I believe. And uh, it's basically mm. right, right before uh, Supreme Leader Snoke vaporizes the entire Hosnian system with Starkiller Base. Oh, oh, okay, 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 I see. And so what characters from the Star Wars galaxy would they be teaming up with or fighting? I think it would be kind of along the, because I was kind of inspired from Infinity Game and End... I said it again. Infinity War and Endgame. <laughs> it, it was inspired you by. You could just you refer know, to the two movies as Infinity Game, and we yeah, know Infinity Game. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it would be along the lines of that and Rogue One because I loved Rogue One, and I thought it would be time to introduce some new characters because obviously. At that point in time, everyone that we're familiar with in the Star Wars world is busy doing what they're doing in those movies. So this would be mm-hmm. a Rogue One type, of, a different crew of people, an entirely dif- different planet. Uh, we'd meet some new characters. And- so this is essentially like immediately before The Force Awakens, basically, where they blow- where they use the the new Death Star thing. Is it exactly when it happens? Because didn't that that happened? It happened the, during that movie. Yeah, it was you during. Could, you it. could make it like happening a year or two before. Yeah, like, if you want to give yourself some yeah. buffer time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's not a lot of time. I that was just my elevator pitch, and I do have more details we can get into if you want to okay. do that now. Well, I just want to know, and uh, before we get into like greater detail, all I just want to know who, uh, like, what Star Wars setting characters are involved. Uh, well, we'd be dealing with Snoke, and I, I, I oh, okay. am really In- ups- I'm upset that uh, I got robbed of Snoke because he was just the next in the line of uh, Star Wars villains who was. So you're just giving Snoke an opportunity to shine. Is what yeah, I want to. I want a reason to hate him more. Um, because, you know, Darth Vader is the ultimate villain. He's been around forever. I was done with Palpatine. I gave up on him halfway through the prequel, um, trilogy. He was just a boring character to me. And, you know, you get Darth Maul, who was kick ass, cut in half, blah, 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 and taken out of the movies. And then I learned. He got better. I learned he got better (laughs) a couple years. Yeah. He, He grew new legs. And, uh. 
you know, it's cool that they did that with him, but you know, I was expecting a new level of evil from uh, Snoke, and I think mm-hmm. they dropped the ball on him due to what we mm-hmm. talked about earlier with the you know losing sight of the goal uh, when they were switching directors and stuff around. And uh, yeah, I, I want to build up more Snoke and even Hux. General Hux couldn't be in there, but it w- it will be mostly in the Star Wars world, an introduction of new uh, characters in the, the vein. So would it be fair to say uh, Star Wars bad guys versus MCU good guys? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and basically it's like the MCU guys would almost be like a Rogue One team, you know, sort of that type of thing where okay. they're kind of a unit – in and of themselves. And like, I, I haven't spread that. I haven't split up in the guardians and then Dr. Strange, vision, Loki and Heimdall in the other group. And they can even swap groups throughout the movie. Vision or- and Heimdall though. I mean, they weren't disintegrated by the snap. They were actually they killed were before that happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, could just be Dr. Strange all by himself though, or maybe it, with Spider-Man It makes Spider-Man me wonder if this is actually happening or if it's all a dream. That yeah. They, that well, maybe even Peter Quill's right dream. As, as they're dying. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay let's i yeah i was just like i said i threw this together in like 45 minutes and i was just pulling up web pages I and this and that love, so how about we do this okay oh, let's go ahead. let's take out vision and heimdall because vision he was being a pussy through that movie anyway so we can get rid <laughs> of him think? rude yeah. very very yeah, well rude. he had a respect choice. the dead dude it's not even a person <laughs> he's, he's a computer yeah. he's an Ooh. ai come on now heimdall uh, sorry for heimdall but okay let's take out that wanda doesn't hear you say that let's take out vision and heimdall and just imagine dr strange and loki tag teaming it up that's a fun group you know loki was also murdered <laughs> In the same way that Heimdall and Vision were murdered. They didn't get snapped away. Although, you know what I do love, Jess, about this idea? You're you're Fucking Doctor Strange is the new space wizard. (laughs) Well, yeah. I I love that you were also super mad that Snoke got cut in half so unceremoniously Mm -hmm. in The Last Jedi. I love the idea of Doctor Strange showing up and basically using his sling ring to do the exact same thing. Yeah. Chop that guy in half <laughs> with his space wizard powers. Okay. Oh, that'd be great, actually. I'd love so, yeah, the okay. fact that, okay, I screwed up a little bit on my character choices, but I do want to have Doctor Strange in it. And Absolutely. one of you, that would be one of you mentioned Spider Man. And no, I do not want Peter Parker to be in the universe. <laughs> I've had it now. teleported to a different planet. Peter Parker, Peter he Parker, get to and Spider Man. on the antics? No. He is my Skywalker of the MCU. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. He's had like 12 movies. Come on. Well, guys, Gasp. this this podcast. <laughs> this has been fun, great. But I'm afraid I have to go. I've got to wash my hair and then stare fake at the end of the wall. Gotta go. He's Bye. a sweet. He's a sweet boy. But come on, Uncle Ben should have smacked him a little more. You know. Okay. How wonderful. Yeah. There's that troll coming Friendship out. Over. <laughs> I know. Uh, that's just me over. lashing out. 
That's just me lashing out because you both simultaneously and separately pointed out that I screwed up on all my deaths in the MCU. <laughs> okay, fine. We'll keep Loki. Uh, Loki was also murdered. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jess. Didn't mean to well actually you so hard. <laughs> yeah, ex- yeah, thanks for that. I think you just got fansplained. Yeah, yes and... I just made that word up. It's not a thing. No, All right. Jess. You uh, no, I like it. Whatever that is exactly what happened. You, you guys can, you, Jess, you can have whatever characters you want. Well, I know I true. can. I mean, true, true, true. I'm not going to get fired from my job tomorrow for anything I say here, I hope. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, I did want to keep it in line with uh, the MCU. So Doctor Strange out of those ones. And Loki were the two I really liked the most. Well, hey, collaborative environment. This is how we make our films shine, folks. But in my heart of hearts, in in the basest part of my soul, I think Loki can't be trusted and he wasn't murdered. He had another ace up. Well, the other Loki in the other timeline, you know, got the Tesseract. So who knows where he's going to show up, where and when he's going to show up. He could use the Tesseract to tear open a a hole in the fabric of space and time. Let me write another another chapter on my movie idea here. He can be be the the Jedi that uh, Baby Yoda summons. Yeah. (laughs) Loki comes in with the Tesseract. (laughs) Talk about a crossover. That's a Trixie Hobbit right there. Okay, that's that's a whole nother show that we'll have to talk about later. Okay. <laughs> All right. So here's my my elevator pitch, guys. All right, here we go. Star Wars Marvel crossover. <clears throat> After the Asgardian rock troll, Ulick chases Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy through a multiversal rift near Earth, they find their way back blocked by a fleet of warships, remnants of the Empire. After a series of misunderstandings brings them into conflict with two mysterious warriors, Ahsoka Tano and Sabine Wren, they ultimately ally themselves in order to disperse the Imp fleet. While being hunted by Ulick and an Imperial Inquisitor, the allies make their plan and sneak aboard the fleet's flagship where they must face both the Inquisitor and Ulick, as well as overload the main reactor to win the day. Dope, 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 like dope, 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 dope. Yeah. And Sabine, yes! Yes, I am here <laughs> yes. for it! And I think, like, I don't even know anything about Sabine Wren, because as we talked about, I haven't watched all the shows I need to watch, but Ahsoka, I think, would be a good counterpoint, like a good balance to the ridiculousness of yeah. the Guardians of the Galaxy. And Thor, which I'm assuming is the funny Thor, Thor Ragnarok Thor. So, well, this would take place, you know, after Endgame. Yeah. And, you know, I thought maybe uh, several months after Endgame to give Thor his, you know, Thor physique again, if he wants to get back in shape, (laughs) he's got his shit together now. Uh, But like, you know, apparently with WandaVision, like all this, she's unleashing, unleashing all this multiverse stuff. Right. So maybe they come back because you know, for whatever reason, they come back to Earth and there's all these like multiverse rifts that she's opening and they might, you know, maybe they, they're in a, uh, they're being chased by Ulick and they end up going through this rift and, you know, then both of them go through. It would be great to see Ahsoka Tano as kind of like the old school marm, you know, with Peter Quill <laughs> and Thor with their power struggle bantering. Oh, I'm the captain. No, I'm the captain. No, and she'd just step in and have to like spank them both. And I well, think she's that would definitely be... the grown up of the group. Although in my mind, this also includes Nebula. Mm-hmm. 
So ironically, I could see Nebula and Ahsoka being like oh, almost yeah. like the parents yeah, exactly. <laughs> of the group. <laughs> I, can, I, I can I can picture them giving each other looks like right now, like really this is what we have to <laughs> yeah, put up with. Rolling their <laughs> yeah. eyes. Yeah. But like when I was picking the characters, I, I kind of had to start from there because I was having trouble thinking like how would it cross over? And then I was like, okay, wait, no, let's do the characters first because I wanted to make sure that with the set of characters from each setting that you get a really a feel for the MCU from whoever those characters are and really a feel for Star Wars with whichever characters, you know, you do from Star Wars. And so I thought, well, you know, Ahsoka is very popular. She's connected to both, you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan, as well as like the newer characters like Sabine, Ezra, um, and now the Mandalorian. Right. So I thought that would be interesting. And then, you know, Thor is part of the OG MCU Avengers. Right. Right. And he's still, to my mind, an interesting character coming out of the latest that we've seen. And the Guardians of the Galaxy are space based. So Mm -hmm. and Thor kind of comes from the space fantasy subgenre of MCU films anyway. So he fits right in there in my mind. Yeah, I feel like that's a good mix of like old school characters and, and kind of newer from from both sides of things. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's also the reason I use the Guardians, too, because they are, you know, familiar with space. I mean, you can't have, um, you know, Spider-Man and uh, who else? Like Wanda, whatever her face is, Scarlet Witch, you know, in space. I mean, that just wouldn't feel right. So having the Guardians, because they know how to fly spaceships and can do the dogfights, that would be yeah. kind of I mean, integral. such a big part of Star Wars is like the spaceship battles and like mm-hmm. doing things in spaceships in space. And so I thought they would really they would really fit very well in that, you know. And even if you want to talk about maybe even bringing an additional person from the MCU, like I thought. Well, maybe they're, you know, visiting Earth for some reason and they ha- and they happen to like have uh, the new Miss Marvel, like, you know, checking out stuff on their ship when she shouldn't be when they have to take off in an emergency, you know, and yeah. so she gets to come along like if you want to go there. I mean, we haven't seen that show yet, but I have actually read a lot of the the new Miss Marvel comics, uh, starting with the new run of the character, which started in what was it like 2012? It's actually it's a really good comic. And there's this great scene where she like meets up with Wolverine and and they're like fighting some alligator monster in the sewers or something like that. And this is after Wolverine had lost his powers. And there's this great like series of panels where he kind of reveals that. And she's like, oh, so now you're just like an old angry guy uh, who punches things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And Wolverine's like, I knew I was going to like you, kid. Uh, but, But anyways. She's the best. I love her so much. She, yeah, she is, and so she's a cool character. I, I feel like it's, it's going to be a real interesting show. And so, if you wanted to throw in like a newer like MCU person, maybe you could do something like that. Yeah, and like, like Captain Marvel, if she came in, you know what she did in uh, the Captain Marvel movie, just flying through spaceships. I don't know if we need something like that. I think, like I mentioned, I think when we were texting earlier, much. yeah, I mean some of the. MCU characters, I think, would be a little overpowered for the Star Yeah, Wars. it's it's a tough it, that's a tough thing about it, right? But I thought that you know the Guardians of the Galaxy for the most part don't have superpowers per se. You know, like Drax is especially strong and and resilient, but he's not like Thor level strong. You know, 
And uh, Peter Quill is obviously a human with some gadgets and some and some spunk, you know, and, uh, you know, they're they're not like overpowered. And now Thor is very powerful, but he's also got his problems <laughs> and he's also just one guy. And if you're talking about being in a spaceship battle, you know, there's not too much he can do in that situation. So I thought, yeah, he, he would be an inter- interesting choice there. And of course, you know. I love me some Ahsoka and Sabine Wren. I, I yeah, think they would be. But to clarify the timeline, okay, so in MCU, maybe several months post Endgame, but in uh, the Star Wars universe, to my mind, this takes place almost immediately after that final scene in Rebels where Ahsoka and Sabine go off together. Ooh. And in my mind, what's going on is they have to. They're trying to follow. They're trying to find Ezra. So they're trying to follow his trajectory as exactly as possible, which is why they have to get through this exact spot. And which is why, you know, they team up with uh, our, you know, friendly heroes from the MCU because they need to get through the fleet to get back through that rift. So that's kind of the thing that unites them. Yeah. I love the idea of following those two at the end of Rebels. Like, that was my main thing. Uh, uh, when Rebels wrapped up, I was like, are we going to get a spin-off series with the two of them looking for Ezra? Uh, maybe? Uh? <sighs> Thank you, Megan. And regarding the addition of, like, a newer MCU character like Miss Marvel, uh, Kamala Khan, you know, I we haven't seen the show yet, but I have faith in and Marvel at this point. And like, I thought if you wanted to get like one of the newer characters on board, you know, maybe they stop at earth real quick and she's like, you know, sneaks into their ship just to get a look at a real live spaceship. But then they have to like rush out and go. And she ends up being like stuck with them for the duration. And, th- and then when she meets Ahsoka Tano and Sabine Wren, she's like, Oh my God, this is just like that fanfic I wrote. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> she would totally nerd out on them. Oh yeah. It would be amazing. Yeah. But so, but so, you know, with with or without, you know, her as a, another character coming along, what do you make of this uh, pitch, Megan? I mean, I really like I, something I find interesting um, is that maybe it's just the very nature of the sort of setup of this particular pitch session that we had. But we none of us something uh, across all three of our pitches. None of us focused on any of the heavy hitters in either the MCU or the Star Wars universe. Like, Mm -hmm. we're not having Tony Stark meet Han Solo or Luke Skywalker. Like, I I just, I find it very interesting. Maybe it's just when we hear crossover, we immediately think television crossover. And so that's why, like, even though we've got the Guardians of the Galaxy and everything like that, I think just inherently because that's an ensemble cast and it felt more like kind of TV-ish, Mm-hmm. Um, like we all focused on smaller scale, um, stuff within, within both universes. So I, I just, I mm-hmm. find that very interesting as like, a and that's, that's, thread. that's, that's like I was saying, you know, a couple times throughout it. It's like, I almost feel kind of cheated when I find out, oh, we're getting a new Batman. We're getting a new Spider-Man. It's like they keep rehashing the old characters and I'm tired of it. I want to see someone new. I want to focus on the little guy. I want to learn more about everyone else's story, not just a slightly different variation on the story. I've already been told 15 times, Yeah, you know? Hmm. 
I think for me it was it was it was part of it was like in a crossover <laughs> like this, I feel like it's not necessarily the greatest idea to intrude upon like big, huge events in canon of either universe, because that's kind of reserved for like that universe's characters in a sense. Cause I just feel like it could get really dicey, you know? And then, you know, also these heavy hitters, people are so attached to those characters like Luke Skywalker that you could inadvertently shoot yourself in the foot by, making them get into something that the hardcore fans of that character don't like, or by having Wolverine kill Luke Skywalker. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just, anything's possible in the multiverse. I'm just thinking that like, if you, I don't, I don't want to disrupt like Canon in either universe, I guess is maybe where I was going with it. And I was also trying to think of like, which characters would maybe play well off each other and could also, you know, potentially fit in each other's universe for an adventure, you know, that kind of thing. And I think I, I think I mentioned that this would take place almost immediately after that final scene in rebels where Ahsoka shows up to pick up Sabine to go look for uh, Ezra. So I think I mentioned that. I love that. So, okay. So, Going back all the way around the table to Megan again, who is your pick for the main antagonist or villain of the film and why? And what is the villain's main goal in this in this thing? Uh, for for my pitch, it's going to be the Chronicons and uh, the Empire. So oh. uh, and because, again, I don't know how season two of the Mandalorian is going to wrap up. I'm just going to go ahead and say Moff Gideon is still alive for the purposes of this pitch. Mm-hmm. Um But the Chronicons are looking to rewrite the fabric of time and space to resurrect their homeworld. That is Mm. their aim in season six of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Time travel has failed them. (laughs) They they must. (laughs) There is no iteration of the MCU timeline in which the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. do not prevent them from achieving their go their goal so they hope to extend their travel um to a place outside of the reality of the mcu where they can attain the power they seek to do so this power is the force but of course because the chronicons don't understand the force because they aren't actually living beings um they don't understand it they 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 can't because the the force it's something that you know surrounds all living beings it binds them together everything like that um it is the fabric of the universe so the chronicons team up with the fragments of the empire uh in order to try to harness the power of the force by obtaining force sensitives force sensitive individuals so that they can then uh, harness the force and bend it to their will and understand it. They basically want to dissect the force and use it to manipulate um, the world around them. That's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking for. And so that's why their, their aims sort of align with what Moff Gideon is trying to do a little bit. But of course, um, you know, this team up is a means to an end. Like uh, the empire can't trust the Chronicons and the Chronicons can't trust the empire. I like them as a team up though, because they, they function on a similar level in terms of metaphor where they're like the machine of, you know, like, cause in star Wars, it's very much, you know, is, uh, the machine of the state going to serve 
uh, people or are people going to have to serve a totalitarian state, which is expressed through the metaphor of being like a machine? And that's why you get Darth Vader as a machine man. That's why you have Luke Skywalker. You know, the, the Death Star is not destroyed with a targeting computer. It's destroyed by Luke's connection to the living force. You know, like I, I actually go deep on that uh, metaphor in one of Jay's. Uh, um, nice, nice. And story geeks. The Reclamation Society? The Reclamation Society's uh, YouTube videos. Yeah, I talk about that that metaphor. But I think that because the Chronicoms are machine people, that they could fit into that. And I could definitely see those two groups, you know, teaming up to kind of uh, get what they want. That's really interesting. What's your take, Thank Jess? You. Yeah. Well, that's he doesn't a- watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. He's like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean- <laughs> <laughs> okay, the Chronicoms are... Uh, time-traveling robot people that can look like anybody they want. Okay, so they're robot doppelgangers. That is a whole new level, you know, of storytelling right there. Because if they can, I mean, can they literally look like anybody, like in a moment's notice? Not at a moment's notice, but. I mean, they all just kind of look like people. You know, but I mean, um, if someone's like, hold on, I got a fart and they go out into the hallway, could they walk back no, in they're, they're uh, two not, minutes later as someone else? Or uh, it, It's not like, um, shoot, what a, in Captain Marvel, the, the um, aliens. It's not like could, the scrolls, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I, I was like, the screen. No, that's wrong. The screen. <laughs> yeah, the ones the from Infinity. The, <laughs> they literally have to make like rubber skin suits to, to fit over them. Yeah, basically. so okay. they could probably pull a Terminator so that they could, you know, look like a particular person. But for the most part, no, they just kind of have one particular appearance. However, they are, it is interesting because droids are sort of a ubiquitous yes. part of the Star Wars universe. Right. So having an entire group of um, what are essentially droids who are united and very, very much a threat, <laughs> you know, they're not subservient to anyone um, within this world. I wonder if they could like take over some of the, empire's droids exactly well yeah because i this immediately suggested to me megan that like what if the fact that the droids are like this subservient like underclass you know in the empire what if that kind of ends up driving a wedge in their alliance where at the end of the day the chronicons are like we're gonna side with the droids and maybe like fuck up the empire i Um, i would imagine that the chronicons would basically want to infiltrate all of the like uh, like hijack and overtake all of the um droids throughout the galaxy or in particular the empire well i and feel just- like they might want to even like start their own faction like not on either side maybe they could like play both sides against the other sounds like something they might do uh, we could probably do an entire season of television talking about the implications <laughs> of introducing the Chronicons into the Star Wars universe and how that deals with the social hierarchy of how droids are treated. Yeah, uh, yeah. But okay. uh, but like I said, my my main focus is on the Chronicons' fascination with the Force and having and. Ha- figuring out how to try to harness that power without fully understanding it. I like it. Okay, so a related question. 
who would be the protagonists, the heroes? And you already mentioned, you know, who from Age of, I guess you already kind of mentioned this, but can you get a little more specific about what their main goal becomes and why that's important to them? Uh, Mondo and Coulson. Uh, because ultimately nice. they they want the same thing. They want to keep their family safe, and they want for mm. for Coulson he wants to find a way back home, and um you know after saving the galaxy, and Mondo is ultimately looking for a place to call home, um mm. and the place that you call home is with your family, your found family, um and so they they want the same thing. They want to protect the people that they care about, and um you know do good within the galaxy yeah yeah excellent okay okay great so jess who is your pick and your pitch for the main villain of the film and why and what is that villain's main goal well the overarching villain is going to be obviously supreme leader snoke you know of the first order and he's going to be kind of like the Palpatine of the movie and that he's the main big bad guy, but there's not going to be a showdown between him and, you know, the characters in the movie, because that obviously happens with Ray and uh, that other guy, Kylo. Um, so like <laughs> I, I said, sometimes too. Yeah. He's going to be a part of the movie, probably with general Hux, um, but they're not going to be direct. You're just going to see, you know, their choices and stuff, but they will send out, you know, their own troopers and stuff to this planet. And as, as the first order is kind of, you know, regaining the momentum, they are spreading out through the galaxy. So while our heroes are on this planet in the Hosian system, Hosian system, Hosnian system, Hosnian is the word I was trying to say. Um, One of the things that the chancellor asks our heroes to do is uh, secure some valuable assets in the form of children who are able to control a mysterious Uh, energy known as uh, the force. But these kids are like a new breed of force wielder wielder, and that they're actually a little more powerful, probably a la uh, Yogru, who's what I have named Baby Yoda. Because I don't, I don't like Grogu, so I went Yogru. So it keeps with the Yoda Yaddle Yogru I see, sort of thing. I see. But uh, these children, they decide as they learn of the, as First Order troops begin spreading through the galaxy, the heroes learned of the Star Killer base, a moon-sized cannon that can literally disintegrate planets. Which oh, it's is a in, planet-sized cannon. Well small moon planet size, whatever, uh, which is in the control (laughs) of Supreme Leader Snoke. So the idea of removing the children to a location at the farthest reaches of the galaxy leads our heroes on an action-paced race against the clock in this strange new world, hoping to escape with the children before being captured. The The intensity further ramps up as they further learn that Snoke plans to unleash the power of Starkiller base on the actual planets in the system they're on, which would cause total annihilation. So they basically have to take the kids off this planet as far away as possible to protect this new breed of force wielders. See, that's interesting because talk about like a human level story, you know, that has to form, that has to ground all the crazy stuff. It's like protecting 
the children <laughs> from being kidnapped and experimented on, you know, by right. evil people, that's that could be a pretty human, you know, emotional story. And, and that I thought that was kind of a good idea because it's like the stuff we're seeing in Mandalorian with the uh, Moff Gideon after Baby Yoda. This is that exact same thing on a much larger scale, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. because it's not like there's just one dude, you know, in the I keep wanting to call it the Empire in the the First Order. First Order. There's not just one guy saying, oh, we got to get this kid. It's like once once the First Order learns of that t- sort of power, they're probably going to have all sorts of feelers and tentacles out there in the universe trying to get as much of it as possible. And they found in this uh, system a good source of this new breed of Force user. So the fact that they take these children far away from where all the main action is happening not only means we don't have to have uh, Ray meet, you know, Groot. Uh, mm-hmm, we can right, take right. we can take our our Marvel heroes far away, and they can have their own adventures in a different corner of the universe for the five years or so that they are locked out of the real world. Because that could even be a, a continuing show. Then, if it really does take place over that entire oh yeah, this, five years, five seasons. This would yeah, five seasons. This would definitely be a quadrilogy. Uh, wow! Real Minimum. quick, with with like um, we know the Empire utilized Inquisitors in order to kind of steal Force sensitive uh-huh. children. Would the First Order do the same? Because I don't really know what happened to the Inquisitors after the after the fall of the Empire. No, that, that's a good that's a good uh, thought, and that's the thing too. Is I want to introduce, you know, like in. Uh, was the force awakens where we see that one stormtrooper that has like that shock billy club thing. I can't remember the name of mm-hmm. that. I mean, Traitor! I want to see, yeah, <laughs> I want to see, you know, of the next generation of stormtroopers and they're going to kick it up as, as far as their technology goes. And it's not just going to be the same guys, you know, running in formation and missing all their shots and getting laid to waste. I want to see a uh, strong, maybe they're like angrier. special ops team or yeah. Something. I want to see a stronger, angrier, um, you know, first order trooper and really go into that. Like when uh, the dark was it the last Mando episode with the baby, the dark troopers. Well, wait, 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 wait. I don't think uh, Megan has seen the newest one yet, right? No, no, wait, I you did. did. I you did. did. That's did. right. Okay, sorry. Yeah, but I'll, I'm talking I'll about good. the one before. If she's two weeks back, so this is, who cares? You know, she missed a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a coma. Uh, unexcusable. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. that that is real interesting. Like, and the other thing I'm thinking about in terms of, you know, they have to save these kids and relocate them is like, normally you might be able to have Dr. Strange just like use a sling ring. But the fact that they're in a totally different universe, he doesn't know where to go. He doesn't know where to go, you know? And if I think you were saying that he, he would even be off in like a separate place from some of the other ones at the beginning. Yeah. Originally. Yeah. So, so that, that could, could be real. That could yeah, be someone could, like like he's just off on his own doing his own thing, not knowing what it is, and he's got to find new ways to use his powers because he doesn't have the familiarity of planet Earth, you know. So he can't just be like, "Oh, I'm gonna go to the hills of Scotland or bottom of the ocean." I'm gonna, you know, he's got to figure out new ways to do things. And you have these these force user kids who they might play a role too, 
you know, they might be aged maybe six to 14 and maybe the older ones mm. have a better control over their powers. And maybe some of the younger ones, when they get angry, they kind of hulk out with the force. And so you know, Dr. And, Strange needs to be there to like be the yeah. only one who can help. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be a, a lot of basically new ways for people we're familiar with to use their powers in ways we haven't seen. And if this is a five season, you know, five year show, then like all the other people who got snapped away from our universe, if they all end up in the Hosnian system, mm-hmm. uh, then they blink back away uh, to come back to the MCU, like right before Starkiller yeah. base destroys yeah, and, the planets. And kind of, well, that's the thing too. It's like, they got to get off that planet before Starkiller base, you know, wipes everything out. And that would be like the end of season one. You know, after that, they, they, oh. still, they still got to get somewhere with these kids. And, you know, it could be, too, that, you know, with the snap, the way I did it, how uh, the Guardian showed up in one area and Doctor Strange showed up in another area, they might meet more uh, friends or enemies, too, mm-hmm. because everyone got snapped. So and they just kind of reappeared randomly throughout the universe. So maybe the big bad guy from season two in the star Wars universe could be an MCU villain. That's interesting. Yeah. And of course I kind of did that as well. Okay. So my pick for the main antagonists or villain of the film is, is twofold. I wanted uh, that uh, one of the inquisitors because they're very much a force wielding, you know, red lightsaber enemy uh, that you can have a lot of fun with. And then Ulick. Picking up what I'm putting down. I like uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then there's Ulick, <laughs> who is one of the recurring characters from the Thor comics. And he is this Asgardian rock troll who's kind of always had, uh, you know, had a grudge against Thor and always wants to kill Thor. And I thought. Well, he could be coming after Thor because he could blame Thor for the destruction of Ragnarok, which, you know, even though he's just a, like he's a rock troll there, like it was still his home. Right. But he doesn't have that anymore. So I thought, OK, that could be a big bad from the MCU who maybe Thor is the only one who can ultimately defeat him in the end. Or, you know, maybe they need Thor to defeat him or go up against him or whatever. And, you know, the Inquisitor could sense ahsoka through the forest you know he could be intent on tracking her down and killing her because you know if the empire is going to get back on its feet you know you gotta get you gotta get rid of any pesky jedi that might be nosing around right so pesky jedi (laughs) and and you would have gotten away with it too if it hadn't been (laughs) (laughs) exactly they're like sugar ants i tell you and they would be aware of Ahsoka, too. You know, he might not realize that's who it is at first, but if he gets a good look at her, you know, they would know who she is. And, uh, you know, the Empire conceivably could also want to study this rift that they come out of, right? Now, the protagonists I, I've mentioned, so it's Ahsoka and Sabine on the Star Wars side, and then Thor and the Guardians of the Galaxy on the other. Now, this is post Avengers Endgame Guardians, so you have Thor, Peter Quill... Uh, Drax, Rocket, Groot, Nebula, and um, the chick with the uh, antennae, as Rocket said. Yeah, Uh, what is her name? Mantis. Mantis, Mantis, thank you very much. And Mantis, right? And so, but I feel like the the main characters of this film, like the POV characters, would be like Ahsoka on the Star Wars side, 
and either Rocket or Thor are both on the Guardian side or on the, you know, the MCU side. Yeah. And and so for the Guardians and Thor, it's like get home and close the rift uh, because important because not only do they want to get home, but they don't you know, they don't want the rift open to let like the Empire through to Earth like that would be bad. Right. So and then for Ahsoka and Sabine. They need to follow Ezra's last known trajectory as exactly as possible if they have any hope of finding him. And I was so I was kind of thinking that this takes place sort of at the edge of the unknown uh, territories or whatever uh, that that Ezra went into the Mm -hmm. unknown regions. And so it's like they can't just go around this fleet because then they might lose their trajectory and unknown space is hard to navigate and blah, blah, blah. Right. So they have to go through this exact spot. And so that's kind of where I was coming from with it um what are your what are your thoughts on on these on these things megan i i like the combination of all these characters uh and i i like i i keep wondering of like because we have peter quill in both of your guys's scenarios i'm like (laughs) does does he sit down and talk like because i know that in my scenario i would want like mac and colson to talk about star wars but like would peter quill being like would he be like would he have a moment where he'd be like oh my god darth vader was real like in (laughs) well yeah i could just see him like you know totally doing the phil colson thing of fanboying out and you know like him and thor oh my god can we meet luke skywalker i want to meet luke skywalker totally fanboying out and trying to explain star wars to thor while in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know. and like also hanging out with Ahsoka Tano, who, uh, you know, she wasn't created until after Peter Quill, wa- you know, made his trip to to space. Right. So he would be know. completely unaware of her relationship with Darth Vader. Be- so he'd be like talking about Darth Vader, like, oh my gosh, this is great. And she's like, you <laughs> he are. Doesn't know who- he doesn't <laughs> know are- who she was because she was never in the comic books. <laughs> Not until later. Uh, But yeah, she'd be like, you were talking about my master Anakin. What are you talking about? Yeah, it it could make some really fun scenes. And I could even see, you know, Quill being the guy who'd like, he 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 knows this stuff, but he doesn't quite get it right. So like Ahsoka might be like, no, it's it's actually like this. And I could see Thor in the background nodding like he actually knew too. like, yeah, obviously, Peter. (laughs) It only makes sense. There's two yeah. characters that popped into my mind that's totally off the track of uh, any of our uh, pitches. But if Wolverine was in Star Wars, I would want him to be Old Man Logan from that run hmm. of comics. Hmm. But he, it, he'd he be in the Star Wars universe as kind of like an old Ben. <laughs> that's old Ben from up in the hills. Like he'd be old. He'd be old Obi-Wan. And then another one who I think, because like I mentioned earlier, that some of the superheroes from MCU seem a little too overpowered for uh, Star Wars. And case in point, one that just popped into my mind would be Magneto. Oh, I mean, mean, because the droids, all the droids and all the robots and all this. I mean, I thought even lightsabers. Well, that's what I was saying. I thought uh, General Grievous, he was my most favorite Star Wars character ever. And it's because he can wield four sabers at once. But what could Magneto do? You know, just 
Yeah, with so. a wave of his hand, he could crush Grievous. Oh yeah, the couple, whole couple the more whole crossovers spaceship. for you folks. Couple more yeah. crossovers for you folks. But um, what? So uh, in addition to those reactions that are uh, about something totally different. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I really like your pitch. I, I like the idea of these characters meeting at their respective points in their journeys. Yeah, part of the fun for me in seeing a crossover like this would be to see how the characters meet up and interact. And, you know, because I can also see I want to talk a little more about this uh, later, uh, but I could also see like this really fun, like beginning of act two or end of act one where they like the Guardians and Thor kind of face off with Ahsoka and Sabine. Right. And they have like a little quick fight because because think about um, well, I'll get into it later. But I, I those character interactions to me are are uh, really fun. Uh, Jess, do you have any? Th- so go ahead, Megan. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, Sabine can give as good as she gets when it comes yes. to like snark and dialogue. And so she <laughs> true. She'd be able to keep up with all the all the quips really well. And I, I think Ahsoka, you know, kind of we talked about this earlier, kind of being the mom, in the, yeah. <laughs> being, the, being the adult in the room. The, uh, yeah, I the straight man character would be like yeah. Ahsoka and Nebula, <laughs> basically, yeah. you know. With uh, and and actually, only like one step down in terms of like being reasonable, I think would be Rocket. I think he's probably like the second most reasonable person in in like this ensemble. In oh a yeah, because he he doesn't put up with bullshit. He's like, no, that guy's an asshole right there. That guy's an asshole. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he he says it how it is. Yeah, and and on the on the on the flip side, or just in addition, like you can imagine that even though Rocket is this bizarre like little creature, I don't see Sabine or Ahsoka batting an eyelash, you know, because they've know. seen well, as that, weirder, weirder. You they've know? seen Ewoks, you know. No, I I don't think they would react surprised like looking at any members of this particular ragtag right like i don't think any i think maybe they'd be like oh well i've never seen an alien that looks like you but like seeing different types of alien creatures well yeah you know i mean they all come from you know you have gamora who's green you got hulk who's green he gets big you got mantis with the antenna you got drax who you know he's not human i don't know exactly what he is but i mean None of the superheroes are all human, so there's all sorts of things. That- I don't think Ahsoka or or Sabine would bat an eyelash at any of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I don't think any of them would bat an eye at Ahsoka either. <laughs> I think it might just be yeah. like, oh, I'm unfamiliar with your particular species. Well, I think I think, I think every every single Marvel character ever could walk into the cantina, and oh no yeah, one would, for sure, no one would care. No one would exactly. care. Exactly. Just like, who's that? Oh, you know. Except for the fanboys. Like, yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. So, okay. So, th- yeah, this is a lot of fun. So, let's let's get into, like, what is so exciting at the core of these ideas. So, Megan, with your pitch, what is it that excites you about that idea for a show or a movie, uh, you know, when you get down to it? I love... Like to to get to the core of it, I love stories about found families, and so mm. that's one of the reasons why both uh, the Mandalorian and um, Agents of Shield sort of resonated with me. Uh, what the other things that kind of excite me about this is one, Ming Na Wen fighting herself is something I will oh never. My God, grow that's right. Holy shit. <laughs> 
Oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh my god. But yet you you know that that could be a thing in the multiverse, right? So Yeah, and that's the thing too. Uh, you know, Megan was telling me earlier before we were even recording, you know, other shows that Ming-Na Wen was in and I was like, oh, I'm not really familiar with her. Is this yeah, her sneak. is this her Melinda character? They yes, just need to have she, the destiny okay. show up from Stargate Universe. And, uh, uh, Ming-Na yeah. Wen plays uh, Melinda May in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And yeah. uh, she, a.k.a. the Cavalry, and um, she plays Fennec Shand in The Mandalorian. Yeah. So I and we, we were talking, yeah, we yeah. Were talking <laughs> about Mando earlier, and uh, she referred to Ming-Na Wen as Melinda. And I was like, what are you talking about? Obviously, <laughs> I haven't seen that show. But, uh, and I was uh, just like, and I've said too much. Uh, <laughs> I need to walk it back a little bit. <laughs> walk it back, walk it back. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that would be amazing to see Fennec versus Belinda May or something, you know? <laughs> I just, I like, I, I love that that didn't occur to you until I brought it up. And then you're like, oh my God! Yeah, it just hit me like a bolt of lightning just now. That's amazing. Okay, cool. But one of the things that really excites me uh, about the idea of this particular crossover is like in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s final days, it expanded its world to include multiverses, time travel, space exploration. And so in some ways, going to Star Wars kind of feels like a natural extension of what they were already doing. I think that's season seven. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, and since Star Wars as films exist within the MCU, it would also be really fun to see the meta humor and quips and how that affects character interactions. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. got to play around with a lot of like multiple genres during its tenure, but it never did westerns so now's our chance to get the agents of shield to get like basically get them in a spaghetti western (laughs) oh my god amazing amazing i love it okay it's hilarious yeah i i really like i I mean i think all the things that you said kind of speak to my core appeal for what excites me about your pitch as well um do you have any comments on that real quick jess i think just you know combining the two different universes especially because these are characters that we have known and loved and gotten to know and fallen in love with over the past decades, seeing the two put together just opens up a whole realm of possibilities. It's just the, the bottom being, you know, just how the different characters would interact with each other. And from there, you know, seeing everything, you know, explode outward you know like the big bang that's basically what would happen if you put star wars and mcu together you'd have boom this whole new universe uh appear and you could go in any direction and we just kind of in talking about our three separate pitches you know i got all sorts of ideas for how i'd expand my world and you guys got ideas how for you to expand your world. so there's so many different directions and opportunities to follow with these characters that we love and seeing them work together. I think it's a win-win. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, as I kind of mentioned already, like I, for me, I'm really, I would be really excited to see the interplay between these characters Mm -hmm. that are so different and from the different, you know, the different uh, universes 
And, you know, there's going to be funny misunderstandings, some meta stuff, like you mentioned, Megan, seeing them react to things from each other's settings, you know, and also just seeing certain like iconic elements from Star Wars and the MCU side by side, like force users, like, you know, standing toe to toe with Thor, you know, lightsabers versus you know, Asgardian rock troll or something, you know, that could be really, really fun. And just seeing how, you know, it, it, it all kind of interplays. It's like this new chemical mixture. And that's kind of what I like about crossovers because it's kind of like characters that you already love or elements that you already are real interested in kind of meshing with these other ones that you already, inter- uh, that you already love that, you know, you never thought maybe they'd mix. So that's, that's what it is for me. And that's like earlier, you know, one of the questions was, you know, what needs to happen, what doesn't need to happen. And we talked about staying within the rules of the, you know, of the universe, staying within the rules of the story. And I think putting Star Wars and Marvel together breaks all of those rules. (laughs) Well, really, you know, that would change everything. And you could get some really fantastical stories out of that. But I think that's part of the attraction to it, you know, because it's kind of like a sandbox you know, anything can happen, especially if Sandman's there. Yeah, I yeah, I like that. So, OK, so we're, we're coming up towards the end, but I do have a couple more questions uh, to get us to get us to the end here. Now, Megan, can you go into any more detail about how the MCU and Star Wars franchises would cross over in your pitch? I think maybe you you address that, really. But what are some sequences or scenes or character things or story beats or plot devices or jokes or just anything that for you occurred to you and that would give us the most fun as like a crossover event. I think something really fun. I mean, you guys were just sort of touching on it uh, just a moment ago, but I think something really fun would be dealing with the differences between MCU superpowers and being force sensitive. Mm -hmm. Um, With my pitch in particular, you know, we've got Yo-Yo and Quake. And Mm. I I think that those, you know, you you combine that and get to see how individuals with those abilities get to play off of somebody who basically has telekinetic power. Like the the way uh, the force would probably be um, framed within the MCU would be like, oh, you have telekinesis. You you Mm -hmm. can use... Um, you know, telekinesis, limited telepathy, maybe something like limited that. Limited telepathy, and also, I mean, there are certain things that the force can do that, um, obviously out extend outside of those things. Like in the prequels, like uh, the Obi Wan and Qui Gon used the force to like run really fast, uh, and then never, then they never spoke of it again. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, we've got force healing and things like that. So I think it would be interesting to see. And, and probably characters like Ahsoka and other Force-sensitive individuals would look at Quake and Yo-Yo's abilities as just being able to tap into specific elements of the Force. So yeah. that would probably yeah. be the way that they would view the framework of MCU abilities. That's a good point. And I think that's true. They would just see it as an expression of the Force, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of that, too. I was thinking it's like back to the Magneto thing. It's like, what if Magneto was originally a Star Wars character, but he ha- he still had his you know powers over metal, and they sent him off to Jedi school 
to, you know, learn the ways of the force. And he knew he didn't have the force, but no one else knew that, but he could <laughs> he still control metal. So he had to get really creative <laughs> with his metal manipulation to make it seem like he had the force. And it would be kind of like a Mr. Bean slash uh, Magneto sort of thing. Could be yeah. funny. Talk about a variant origin story. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also like the idea of, you know, Mondo and Coulson talking about being dads and dealing, not only uh. being dads, uh, like team dads or whatever, but also being uh, dads to beings with superpowers and like how yeah. <laughs> how you go about like dealing with that. And I mean, uh, I could see a scene where they're like sitting around the campfire and most people are asleep or something except Coulson and Mando. And, you know, Coulson's looking at the baby Yoda and, and Coulson or uh, Mando's looking at the baby Yoda or something. And Coulson says, you know, something to the effect. Give you know like a little like you know per- nugget of wisdom there to him and it could just be this moment between them that would be really yeah. cool yeah I like for that. for for people who are unfamiliar with agents of shield like colson is like i keep calling him team dad uh he and uh daisy aka quake aka sky uh very much have a, a <laughs> wow. father-daughter relationship <laughs> Yeah, um, they do. Yeah. Yeah. They they very like again because Sky was an orphan and she joined this team um and found out who she really was, Daisy Johnson. Um you should probably so he, put a spoiler so warning at the beginning. No, no. No, she I guess technically she was kidnapped in the first yeah. episode and coerced into yeah. their team. Uh, but anyway, uh, but yeah, he, he It's kind of like a Stockholm Syndrome thing with these two dads who stole kids. You know? <laughs> well, they can be precocious. <laughs> that can make for a very different film. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, and so basically, you know, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. became Daisy's family and, yeah. um, you know, Coulson having to to deal with that and um mondo obviously mondo was a like unlike colson mondo's always been a lone wolf um even though he was raised by you know he was raised by a particular group of mandalorians he hasn't really had a family to call his own and so colson could provide some advice about you know learning not to keep pushing people away um you know things like that so i i like the idea of their interactions and them sharing their perspectives on you know characters feeding into each other's interpersonal growth i love it i i also really as i mentioned at the at the top mac is one of my favorite characters in agents of shield because Mm -hmm. he's a he's also a giant horror movie fan um (laughs) that's right being a movie buff, I look forward to to him uh, giving his particular perspective on things. Yeah. And something I think, you know, a lot of people might not think that I would want to focus on. But Hunter in particular, you know, given that he came from a post-apocalyptic world uh, where oh. humanity is enslaved, Earth has been destroyed, space is like in just That's where right. he comes from. So especially space where there is rampant inequality and, you know, you have to be kind it's of a scoundrel. Yeah. 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 You have to be a scoundrel if you want to get by. So it would be kind of fun to see him back in his element and be like, huh, when, you know, back when we were on earth and I was the fish out of water, you all got to, <laughs> to me. Well, guess what? Right. We're back in my house, everyone. <laughs> 
I could see him like helping to fix up Mando's ship or, you know, something like that, creating some gadget. Yeah, that would be that would be cool. I, yeah. I oh, that. him and Simmons getting to look at the technology from a different universe would be a lot of fun. Oh, they would be super thrilled. They'd be geeking out like nonstop about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, so much fun. Like, ooh, so- blasters. Ooh, ray shields. Ooh, this. Ooh, that. Ooh, hyperdrive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Star Wars hyperdrive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Meanwhile, Jess is like, what? Who? What? How? What? I know what hyperdrive is, you guys. <laughs> so so Jess, um can you go into a little more detail about uh you know how MCU and Star Wars would cross over in your pitch? Well, I think you've really covered that, but like what are some of the things like sequences, scenes, character relationships, story beats, plot devices, jokes, whatever that wow. would give us the most fun as a crossover event for your pitch? Goodness gracious. You didn't add that to the original list of questions. I sure uh, did, but hey. No, just give us some like highlights you thought of that would make it fun as a crossover. Well, uh, as I stated in the beginning, I'm not real great at these pitches, and I came up with everything 45 minutes before we started recording, so <laughs> I didn't get too deep into all that. Uh, Tone it down, Will. Tone it down. Yeah. Uh, basically, like I said, I, I came up with, in talking to you guys, more ideas on how to flesh out the world you know, than I did prior, you know? So I think that's what I love talking about these things, or that's why I hey love folks, talking about these collaboration. things. Collaboration. Yeah. Collaborate and listen after you, after you <laughs> stop, stop. Collaborate and listen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, but, you know, for, for me, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I just think it's, it's like I mentioned earlier, just uh, taking these two different universes and putting them together it really opens up Pandora's box and anything could happen. And it's, you know, it's just two things that jump out at me uh, from your pitch that really, uh, I feel like there's a lot of potential there. I mean, not the only two things that have potential, but like the two things that maybe suggest the most like exciting moments to me are one, how like the, the whole thing of introducing the children to the MCU people and them kind of deciding to, you know, save them and like what form that all takes, but also how Dr. Strange interacts with this totally different setting, you know, because he is without a doubt, one of the most powerful characters. Right. And and he, he was the, when I kind of wrote it on paper, um, he was the one that I wanted to really see the most from, because we've already had, you know, the guardians in multiple movies and we've seen a lot of them. We're still waiting on uh, Dr. Strange's second film to come out, but he's just a really compelling character that has a lot of potential and is super powerful. And I'd like to see more from him. So he was kind of my impetus of the main uh, protagonist in this with, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy as his yeah. right-hand man. I, I just want to see, like, how, like, his power manifests in him trying to resolve, you know, to reach his goals because, like, yeah, like, he can do a lot with his powers, but he's in totally unfamiliar territory and, you know, he, he might actually get him and his, you know, his allies into trouble over using his powers at a level where he can't just solve it by right. casting a, a spell. You know, it's not quite that simple. So that that and, would be real. Interesting. And two, he introduces powers to the Star Wars universe that we haven't 
seen yet in Star Wars. Like with the time stone, we haven't had any sort of real time, you know, uh, <laughs> manipulation going on in the Star Wars universe. So having him show up with that ability. Well, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have the time stone cause he gave it to Thanos. Remember? So God, you guys, but if that doesn't, just, <laughs> but that's not to say that he could. Okay. Dr. Strange a- shows up with two infinity gauntlets. <laughs> <laughs> force users beware yeah jess is sitting over here going god dang it you nitpicking nerds <laughs> if but i have I... if i have to publicly declare that i have not planned this out well one more time <laughs> <laughs> no but i think that the his you know his level of power does make things really interesting and the mm-hmm. way you go about you know putting complications in his path Star Wars type complications in his path. That's or, that excites me in terms of seeing what that would be. As you were saying that sentence, this one popped into my head. What if, you know, the force is something that exists in the Star Wars universe because that's where it exists. It doesn't exist in the MCU. So what if some characters from the MCU are transported over into this other world where the force exists and they start to realize that they're experiencing certain phenomena that perhaps some of them are open to being force users too. Well, this is why it's a five season uh, show uh, because a lot of things have to happen. (laughs) Like what if in season he season three Hulk comes in and he's a force user, but only as Bruce Banner. I really love the idea of Peter Quill again, like, and showing showing up in in the Star Wars universe and being like, "Oh my gosh, guys, this is going to be amazing!" And he's like, "Trust me, I know what I'm doing." And he tries to use the Force, and nothing happens. And he's like, "Okay, well, never mind." Yeah, and then he's standing next to Drax, who, who yeah. can control the Force, but isn't all that bright. I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me. Yeah. I am there for that. That would be so awesome. Oh, my God. Okay. So for me, some things are like, so I kind of got into this, but like seeing like the character reactions to things from the other, you know, the other settings would be cool. Like seeing like the very beginning, a scene where like Ahsoka and Sabine spot the Guardian's ship, like pop into space, like out of nowhere, and then like sort of fall into a dogfight with TIE fighters. You know, you could see them sort of reluctantly Mm -hmm. deciding to help them out, you know, but then they end up crashing on a planet and like, you know, they're like, think about the first Avengers movie when they're all starting to come together. You have this fight between Thor and And Iron Man and Captain America over Loki. Right. Which, you know, somehow they make that three way fight work between the three of them. Mm -hmm. And I would love to see something like that where, you know, you have. Um, Ahsoka with her lightsabers and Sabine with her Mandalorian armor and gadgets, you know, first, you know, you probably have the MCU people like overconfident and think like, yeah, we can take them or whatever. But then suddenly Sabine's like flying through the air on her jetpack, like, you know, shooting her grappling hook at, at Quill or whatever. And then you have the lightsabers come out. And I could see Thor like charging Ahsoka and then she just like tosses him with the force you know, stuff like that, right? Where they kind of have to figure out how to adjust. She's like, what like, if a what force if... lightning user? He must be a Sith. Yeah. <laughs> oh, or right. Thor right. throws his hammer, and they just put their hand out, kind of like uh, 
their evil sister, Thor's evil well, sister. Well, he would have like yeah, Hela when his... she caught yeah. it. Yeah, like she just caught it. What if what if they can stop his you know Mjolnir with the Force? Yeah. Well, it's Stormbreaker now. <clears throat> nitpick, nitpick. Uh, but I yeah, so I mean, much. she could stop it with the Force, right? I... And that could, uh, yeah. Again, assuming Mjolnir hadn't been destroyed in in this portion of the timeline, how great would it be to see Ahsoka pick up Mjolnir? Because oh it's about God, that it's not awesome. about strength; it's about happiness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be. I was, you know, I'm always, I've always been a sucker for like, you know, the the worthiness to pick up uh, Mjolnir. Because when uh, when uh, in uh, Age of Ultron, when uh, Vision picks it up. And yeah. Like, all right, it's time to go, guys. Like suddenly yeah. they're like, "Oh, yeah. uh, clean up yeah, your crap." Uh, I guess I guess it is time to go. Like I guess we can trust this guy. Or in Endgame, like one of the highlights of that movie was seeing Captain America wield oh, Mjolnir. I and got I got that, chills. Uh, oh, the theater favorite. erupted. Exactly. Oh my god, there is. I just have to bring this up if you guys haven't seen it. There's this video of that scene where you know Captain America picks it up and fights Thanos, but it's to the song from the old 80s Transformers animated movie, You've Got the Touch. <laughs> You've Got the Touch! You've Got the Touch! You've Got the Power! Yeah! Oh my god. Find it online. It's amazing. Uh, Chris Evans retweeted it one time. Oh, that's beautiful. So, it, so that would be beautiful. I, I would love to see that. But And then imagine at the end, this climactic battle where you have they've you know they've infiltrated the imperial ship and they they've made their way past you know however many stormtroopers they had to annihilate into like the reactor room but the inquisitor's there and he's teamed up with ulik and so now it's like it's on you know and you have you know jedi going up against this like asgardian rock troll you have thor trying to you know take down the inquisitor but getting foiled by the force and like all this stuff happening at once right would be awesome so that those are kind of the some of the things that kind of excite me about it. But I think even more than like the action sequences and the spaceship battles and things like seeing how the characters react to each other yeah. would really be the highlight of it, because I feel like part of the theme of the of the thing would be how they develop friendships. Right. And learn to kind of see the perspectives of these like other characters from the other side of the multiverse. So um that's that's what it is to me. I mean, what do you, do you guys have any comments on that? Well, I think it's like, you know, seeing how the MCU characters and the Star Wars people would mesh it would be interesting because I don't feel like it would be the origin story type of thing. It would just be like these are people who are already, you know, high powered, you know, strong individuals suddenly up against other high-powered, strong individuals, not like one of them's the villain and is like, I can control your mind and I shall do so immediately. And, the, and then it happens. They're like, oh, I guess you can control our minds because he told us. They're like, they don't know what the Force is. They might have to be, you know, it might, how's he doing that? What's happening? Is he controlling my mind? Is he throwing stuff around with telekinesis? You know, so it's... Yeah, and, and I even thought, like, what if, in you know, somewhere in the middle of the movie, like in the second act, you have you know, Ulick and the Inquisitor sort of hunting the group separately, right? So you mm -hmm. might have Ulick show up and face the uh, Sabine and Ahsoka initially, and then you might have the Inquisitor show up and meet the Asgardians of the Galaxy, right, initially. And so then later they have to, you know, they have to all kind of face off together. Like, I thought stuff like that would be interesting. Who was, uh, what was Carl Urban's character's name? The Executioner. Yeah, 
we should probably all just add him to our pitches because he's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I am always in favor of adding Carl Urban into any movie slash yeah, he's shop. great. He really is. Okay, so guys, this has been really fun. I just have one final question to allow us to wrap up here. Okay, so tell and we'll again we'll start with um actually let's start with Jess this time oh, so boy. That we can leave off uh leave off more with our guest leave off with a professional. Yes. So tell us, Jess, why the Star Wars and MCU fan bases would love your crossover show. And, you know, why would even like a more casual, you know, uh, you know, watcher of the boob tube uh, enjoy it? Do you think? First of all, I'm surprised there isn't a boob tube dot com. Anyway, uh, there probably is. We don't need to get into that. Uh, One of the reasons I thought this would be fun was. Because walking out of Infinity War, you know, after we saw all of our favorite Marvel superheroes in battle, you know, against all of our most hated Marvel supervillains, and then Thanos snaps his fingers and half of them just, you know, crumble into dust and disappear. That was one of the most gripping and, you know, monumental moments in the entire MCU to date. And a lot of us walked out with the question, like what happened to everybody? <laughs> where, where did they go? I mean, were they just sitting around like in some sort of purgatory playing cards? What's going on? And, you know, I guess it basically, as far as the MCU uh, canon goes, basically it was just like a, a blink in time. Is that how it went? A it's blip. Like they did, yeah, Perhaps. blips. They they didn't a blip. Very clever. They uh, didn't spend five years somewhere else. But what if they had? And that's kind of where I I got the inspiration from. Like, well, you got five years to screw around with, and what better way to describe why all of these MCU characters are suddenly showing up in the middle of space in the Star Wars universe? It's because there was some huge power that sent them there. And that was the snap from the Infinity Gauntlet. Interesting. I like it. Well, for me, you know, um, the draw for the fan bases is basically just to see a crossover. You know, each set of heroes are characters who are already popular and characters that we care about. Right. So now we're challenging them by putting them up against things that are totally outside of their experience mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. You know, you get the ex- excitement, adventure, humor. And I, I think it would be nice to include an element of like them all accomplishing something they could never do alone. Right. Like if you think about if you could like, you know, put like a nice little bow or message into the crossover aspect of it, it could be like, oh, well, you know, we never could have gotten home without Ahsoka and Sabine. And, you know, we never would have gotten through the the blockade to like find Ezra without the help of these uh, weird uh, people from somewhere else. So that's kind of how I I look at it for mine. But but Megan, tell us why the Star Wars and MCU fan bases would love your crossover and why would anybody love it? Oh, I didn't do this for them. I did it for me. (laughs) There's there's no pleasing Star Wars fans these days. (laughs) True. No, thanks. Mm. I'm not even going to try. But um, (laughs) no, uh, in all seriousness, I love these characters i i do i and i want 
after being proposed, like we're going to cross over these two universes, these are the characters that I wanted to see interact out of mm. out of everybody in the MCU and out of everybody in the Star Wars universe. These were the groups of people I wanted to see interact. I wanted to see Daisy sitting down and talking with Ahsoka about, you know, the nature of power. I want to see Mondo and Coulson bonding over, you know, fatherly <laughs> advice. Um uh, <laughs> I want to see Melinda May, you know, fighting against herself again <laughs> because it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, I think part of the reason why I feel an affinity for these characters is I feel they're underappreciated, and so I would like to see when it comes to Agents of Shield in particular, I would like to see the Agents of Shield get to go on one last big bombastic fantastical adventure together with a group of characters that I feel like they have uh, they would have a great dynamic with. Um, I want to see them dip their toes into one last genre. I want to see them, you know, go out on one last hurrah. Because even though the series ended in in a very, in my opinion, pretty satisfactory manner, mm -hmm. I I miss seeing them go on adventures together. And I know that the MCU has sort of has sort of moved on. I I know that the MCU yeah. has moved on from them and has moved on from. A bunch of the television shows that I really liked over the course of this past decade, like it moved on from all of the Netflix stuff and it greatly ignored <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for the most part, uh, which was very, I think, disheartening to fans of the show and also people who worked on the show, too. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that just for anybody who loves that show this would be a treat. And I know that that doesn't extend to every fan of the MCU, but for the, for the ones who loved agents of shield, I think this would be a treat for them for all of the reasons I listed uh, as it being a treat for me. <laughs> I totally agree. And I would, there's another show. There's another show. But, I got to go. But watch. this has all, <laughs> yes, but this has all <laughs> suggested a very important follow-up question uh, for you, Megan which is amongst the agents of shield who will be arriving in the star Wars galaxy a long, long time ago, far away, which of them would it be the most fun to have them uh, have to hold uh, baby Yoda for a time? Hmm. I, hmm. Now that I'm thinking, I think, I think it'd be really fun. Like seeing Daisy hold baby Yoda. Uh, I, I think that would be really cute. I think she would have some really fun dialogue, but I think in terms of like, which character would be like the, and same with Mac, I think that would be fun. But yeah. I think yeah. I was in terms of like, which character would feel the most outside of their element, having to hold the kid for a couple minutes uh, uh -huh. would probably be may. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Just like, no, I, I don't, I don't want this. Someone, someone else. Else, anyone nope. else no Somebody. okay and then she looks down into those big big eyes <laughs> she's just yeah. like ugh, fine not to ruin what you guys have going on but every time you say mac i just keep thinking of mac and me i oh, don't know who that, that is that's a totally different crossover oh that was this old movie <laughs> look look it's look terrible. it up sometime when you want to be yeah. amused megan <laughs> it's this old uh 80s movie uh about uh it's kind of like it's almost like an et ripoff in a way yeah it's alien terrible. comes down befriends young boy uh who helps him on a journey 
But but like we would have uh, a a bunch of scenes in which uh, Baby Yoda is interacting. The child Grogu would be interacting with the agents of Shield. So that way, when the Chronicons slash Moff Gideon kidnap him again, mm. like they are very much invested in doing everything yeah. they can to help Mondo get him back. Yeah, they would have to. Okay, that's amazing. This has been really fun, guys, thinking about how Star Wars and the MCU (laughs) Marvel could cross over. I really enjoyed both of your pitches. I I think that was really fun. So I think we've said it all. I mean, I I really think we've said it. Do you have anything that you need uh, feel compelled to add at this point, Megan? Uh, no, just, um, Disney hand money now, please. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We'll take those royalty checks. Thank you. Yeah. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to the uh, new show. That's kind of about parenting and raising an unruly teen. And I've mentioned a couple times in our Mando podcast on how I can't wait till in future seasons, we get to see the baby Yoda turn into kind of a, Teenage Groot sort of thing. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but it, it'll be basically teen, you know, teen baby, teen baby. It's like Teen Wolf, uh, teen baby Yoda with, uh, you know, his parents, Darth Vader and Squirrel Girl could be incredible. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole different cr- crossover that we don't have time to cover today. Uh <laughs> Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode of Mecha Dragon. Uh, please hit us up on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review and or rating. That would be super awesome. It really helps out the show. Megan, can you tell our listeners where they can find you online and what you're up to? You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams where my co-host Katie Cullen and I talk about horror things. I uh, also have a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost where my co-host Will Link loves Lost and I don't and we talk about it. And finally, I am a member of Rooster Team Radio where me and my co-host talk about Rooster Teeth related productions. At the time of this recording, we are right smack dab in the middle of of uh, covering this volume of Ruby and this season of Red versus Blue. So be sure to head on over to your podcast app of choice to check those out because they're super fun. Super fun. All right, Jess, can you quickly give our listeners our social media details? Quickly, yes. Uh, Facebook, you'll try and find us under Mecha Dragon and succeed. Twitter and Instagram, Mecha Dragon Show. Any emails with questions, comments, corrections, or topics, you can send to mechadragonshow at gmail.com. And as far as podcasts goes, tell all your friends, tell your grandma's friends, and your grandma's too, that you can find us at uh, Anchor, Spotify, Google Play, CastBox, Stitcher, anywhere with quality podcasts. And we're really looking forward to share with you our upcoming pitch next year in 2021 where we're going to get into uh game of thrones and ghostbusters how we're going to mix those (laughs) two together it's going to be a lot of fun so we'll see you there (laughs) okay well (laughs) sure (laughs) all right thanks everybody may the force be with you this is the way i love you 3000 okay that's (laughs) we we got it done okay bye Our music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0, creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0.